0: Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast. Look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and we have a nice discussion lined up for you this evening, don't we, Andrew? Uh,
1: yes, yeah. I've, I've, been thinking, I've been thinking we should do the podcast my way, Darren. And yeah, I've, I've had some thoughts. I'd like an Andrew signal uh to to go up every every saturday and yeah yeah do, just some um few ideas um do you do, I, I i suppose yeah yeah do, people who have not seen the movie that this will make no sense to unless they're, they're familiar with our friendship i'm very well thanks star and how how, how 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 are you doing
0: andrew you're not thinking straight <laughs> But well, I suspect we're going to be talking a lot about that in the ensuing discussion. Uh, yes, we are discussing Batman and Robin. Uh, we are taking a break from our season of Scorsese to mark Batman Day, and we're uh, going and well, also to give. It's not a thing. A grand, that is actually a thing. Yes, in in late September, um, to mark the publication of the first Batman comic. Um, no, come on! You know, did did you make this up?
1: Like, no, what no, are, no, are we breaking our our season of Scorsese movies
0: for this book? Jesus <laughs> Also to grant you something of a light reprieve, but yes, yeah. yes we are. Oh, this is the reprieve. <laughs> yeah, I th- thought you really appreciated. And yes, so, uh, you know, I wanted to have a really cool discussion of this kind of cult classic movie. So we went it's... to our froster of great guests. We saw if anybody could freeze up some time to talk to us. And we came up with a couple of really wonderful guests. So first of all, Joe Griffin. How are you, Joe?
2: Yeah, good. It's very nice to be here. Ah. Uh...
0: I'm glad you can chill out with us. And we also have the wonderful Alex Towers. How are you, Alex?
3: Not too bad. Happy to be here, but do not have an ice punt. <laughs> all
1: right. Polarizing. No
0: I've just been robbing them all from the movie. Oh. Um, but <laughs> but yes, it's going to be a long evening. But yes, so you're, Batman and Robin.
1: You're like the Shatman. Um... <laughs> <laughs>
0: terrible, terrible punt. Um, but yes. Yes, but yes, so Batman and Robin, the nineteen ninety seven Warner Brothers, uh, sort of box office, not quite disaster, but enough to cause a serious rethinking of the Batman franchise to put it on ice, as it were, for eight years following Jesus. Its release until it was I, rebooted.
1: Like, I have no idea how long this is going to take, but the listeners do, like they they can, they can see now that it's like an hour and a half two hours like is it just going to be us making
3: terrible how ice many, puns how many words yeah how many times can we say the word ice and like work and <laughs> over
4: and over again yeah All right. but,
3: well well, no 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 like maybe we have some fans who'd really appreciate
1: that like <laughs> i um like oh uh should 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 we promise lots of terrible ice puns or, or, sh- or i
2: think we should i think we should cross that fridge when we come to it <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> oh nice uh. I think we'll put them in the cooler for now. Uh, but yes. I can't believe so I that... said nice instead of ice. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, to kick off this discussion, what we normally do is when we have guests on the podcast, we kind of ask them, particularly if the movie was released kind of within our lifetime, within the kind of our our memory and pop cultural memory, the first time that you saw the movie in question, because I know from talking to both Joe and Alex separately that when we mentioned the bottom 100, we mentioned movies that you guys would like to discuss, you both came back with Batman and Robin as a candidate. So maybe Alex first, do you remember the first time that you saw Batman and Robin and what was that like?
3: yeah um I'd, I'd been a big fan of the the batman films and i'd actually really liked batman forever um and so it was like really really excited to see and i remember like i was in a, a toys r us in toronto and i saw a poster for it and it just blew my mind because it was right around the time where i was like starting to become aware of like arnold schwarzenegger like incredible and when i saw it like it was you know as a it wasn't as if it was like bad or anything or as disappointed. It was, I was just coming out like, wow, you know, a Batman film. I wasn't really at that level of perceiving all of the (laughs) stuff that would grow and, and sort of come with it. So no, I, I, I had a great time watching it. And then in the years, you know, since obviously there's been a lot written about and a lot done, but I had a great time with it. I enjoyed it. It was a, a toy commercial which i'm sure we'll get into but like as a child i loved watching toy commercials so i was fine with exactly. that exactly
0: yeah, so it wasn't a sense that you kind of like were embarrassed by it or you came back to it. it was just that you picked up kind of like the discussions of it afterwards and kind of you, you kind of it wasn't a bad movie for you until you started realizing people talking about it
3: yeah it kind of like i like i was aware of all the um the batman films and I, I like i was very keenly aware that there was a big difference between the first two with michael keaton and and the second two but it wasn't as if I, I had a preference for either one of them at that time. It was kind of just like, no, they're they're all great, you know. And um so this <laughs> they one have Batman in them. Yeah, exactly. And and Robin is in this one, so it's great. And it wasn't only until like years later that I started getting into the sort of you know, um, reading about about films and and, and seeing that this was popularly considered to be a, a complete disaster. And it was a little surprising to me because I was always like, but was it? Like it made like 300 million and I liked it. <laughs> Lots of people went to see it. Um, but there were a lot of films like that. I also went to like episode one and was like, wow, a new Star Wars film. It <laughs> just came out happy as Larry. Like that was fine. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, it's, it's a little thrown by seeing it in the bottom 250. That's
1: why we have you on, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's that uncritical <laughs> kind of, uh, well, no. like, as, I I will get no, into it yeah, a bit more, you, but you, I think you, I was you, on. No, I I I just think you make a very good point. Um, in terms of like you were a child and you enjoyed it, and that is what this movie is setting out it's to for. do. Yeah. yeah.
3: And Sorry, I think especially, like... I was on your your podcast a few years ago at Christmas, and I think I picked this. You were, like, picking ones, you know, and the, the year-end one about, like, pick a film that shouldn't be on the, the bottom 250. And I picked this one because, you know, part of me, like, if I had to look after a child and they wanted to watch a Batman film, I would still probably pick this one because, like, the first two are, like, full of horny weirdness. And the next four, he's, like, renditioning people and, like, is a walking patriot act. I'm not going to show that to a kid. So... This one, you know, yeah, it's a toy commercial, but like it's probably a bit healthier and, than some of the other ones.
1: And 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 yes, it does have some horny weirdness. <laughs> just just enough
0: though. Like just, just, just the right amount. Yeah. No, exactly, yeah. yeah. Not enough that it's inappropriate according to Andrew, but don't worry. I've actually seen Andrew's notes for this episode, so we're gonna be talking a lot about <laughs> horny weirdness. Uh, but Joe,
2: what about yourself? I had a really <laughs> I had a really different first experience with this movie. Um, I am old, so I was 20-odd when this came out. And I was in college. Um, I liked the Batman films at the time, even though I didn't really like the one that preceded it, um, the Batman Forever. And I, I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I still do. I just think he's an icon. Like He's a titan. And he used to be... What well, do you guys it, are about
0: to say he's a god?
2: God! Yeah, he's like the the ultimate self-made man, like in every respect. And uh, yeah, I just I think he's so fun, and he's so self-aware, and he's such great taste in directors and projects, or at least he did in his heyday. And um, I remember seeing the movie magazines with Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze on the cover, and I thought he looked deadly. I thought the the makeup and the costumes and everything were really cool they're like larger than life like him and so i was like oh yeah this is going to be over the top and he's like nicholson in the first batman he's top billing so i was excited and then it came out and it was so badly received i didn't go see it at first i was like oh god life's too short and i was in college at the time i was i was fairly busy and um then eventually i rented it on dvd and it was one of those dealios where you could keep it for two nights and I found it just such a grind to get through. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, um, it, I was just like mortal watching it. And, um, then I, I remember I went into college and a friend of mine, his name is Emmanuel. Um, he's an editor now. Uh, he, I said to him, God, this film's so bad. And he said, yeah, the second half is worse than the first. And I was like, ah, oh, Christ. And I was watching it with my brother, and he was like, my brother is like five years older than me. And he's like, no, it's not that it gets worse. It's just that you get sick of it. It's just that, like Morrissey sings, the joke isn't funny anymore. Um, so that was my experience with it. And then its, its legacy kind of like just rippled, and I could see it in real time. So I remember uh, when... When I was a teenager, I used to go see every blockbuster movie, just like whatever it was, Die Hard 2, um, Armageddon, whatever. whatever. And um, it was around this time that I stopped going to every single blockbuster. So was, what happened was this came out and friends of mine were going and for whatever reason I couldn't go. And I was like, oh, God, I'm so, such a bummer I'm missing out on this. And uh, then the next day they were like, man, that stank. And this that happened two or three more times within the next 12 months. So friends of mine went to see the Avengers, uh, not the Marvel one, the... Uh, Umbrella Rafe... Man one. Yeah, the Ray Fiennes one. And again, I was like, oh, that looks so fun. And they were like, "Not stank. And it happened, in my opinion, with Armageddon and with Godzilla. And it was very pivotal. Like, it was Batman and Robin. It was one of the first times I saw a big blockbuster film I was excited about, and... I was really disappointed and as a matter of course became more selective in the films i saw so so that's my little story but i've got a weird kind of nostalgia for it now because it's so like i i love schwarzenegger impressions and um, i the film has become so iconic and then when i saw footage of it over the years it was just so relentlessly goofy uh, I was like, oh, I must revisit that sometime. And, uh, yeah, so here we are. This was this was in the
1: age of wetter villains with strong accents. So <laughs> so you had Sean Connery and Uma Thurman. in Avengers yes. and Uma Thurman. It's like, now is the winter of your discontent. And um, and then you have Arnold Schwarzenegger, probably delivering the same line. I mean,
2: he did more kind of Eugene O'Neill puns. He said the Iceman cometh at one stage.
1: Right, yeah, yeah.
2: With a forecast,
1: say,
0: a freeze is coming.
2: And so on. Yeah, I I was dying for him to do more Eugene O'Neill puns, like a long day's journey into the ice, but he never did.
0: (laughs) I do kind of admire how hard he works for some of those puns. There's the moment where it's like, if they say revenge is a dish best served cold. Then get out your finest, because a feast is served. And it's like, that's not, a very and, long way to... Mm, uh,
1: I, feel, I feel like he wasn't finished with that pun, though. Did, it didn't, didn't it go on longer? It felt like it went on longer. <laughs> like, it was just like, to continue the terrible metaphor, father. Um, if this was a meal that was best served cold, then you would probably want some sort of digestive after it. And that would also be served iced. <laughs> um it would, it would it would be maybe maybe an ice stacky. Um I like ice things so bay or
0: not so bay.
3: It sounds like he's learned some of the script phonetically like he sort of like you know hasn't mastered English yet and has been told like here are the sounds you need to make to deliver this right. particular line. Yeah. yeah. I
1: mean w- <laughs> if if it wasn't for all that special effects makeup like you you would almost not tell Sorry, with, with like, you can still tell it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, um, even, even, even even when he's wearing, um, all, all, all of that stuff, um, uh, on, on him, because of course he sounds just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's, it's brilliant. Um, yeah, like, I, I kind of agree with Joe, um, in the sense of like Arnold Schwarzenegger is, um. Just incredible, um, in 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 terms of like, and 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 we grew up with him, and and I guess like there are some people who don't really get what the what the what the big deal is, or they find it kind of like like kind of tiresome or something, and you just want to shake them. Um, stop like being an economic girly dark. man.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Pardon? Oh, sorry. I I kind of got my wife into Schwarzenegger uh, because. She didn't get him. She was like, he's just this beefcake. And um, I said, well, have you seen... She hadn't seen Predator or Conan the Barbarian. And I was like, well, that partly explains why you don't get him. And she watched them and she was like, God, he's such an amazing screen presence. The camera just loves him. And then uh, we were reading his biography together. And uh, he's so self-aware and so funny. And then she was like... Uh, I started to come around to him then, but yeah, there's a great, if you'll indulge me, there's a great anecdote in his book. Hey, there
0: we go. (laughs) Visual (laughs) aid in an audio medium. Andrew has literally pulled out total recall. Andrew Schwarzenegger's autobiography. Ah.
1: Name for an autobiography.
2: For an um, actor
0: who's appeared in a movie called total recall. Yes. I imagine outside (laughs) of that context. For a
1: Schwarzenegger
0: autobiography. Fair, fair point. Sorry, Joe, we cut you off.
2: Oh yeah. In that very book, um, he talks about how he had a meeting about Flash Gordon and it took his agent like months to get him this meeting. He hadn't had a lead role yet. And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah I was like to get the bull rolling with a joke. And um, he walked into the office and it was Dino De Laurentiis, the producer, <laughs> legendary producer. And he was just like, tiny Do little guy Do I know Italian. De
1: Laurentiis?
2: uh he produced silence of the lambs and flash Gordon. and dune more no, of, no, i think
1: sorry. in terms I was, of
2: your perspective i was, perspective. Making, I was making a i was making uh. a terrible joke oh i <laughs> get it now <laughs> um <laughs> so anyway <Sorry>. uh <laughs> he saw he saw De and he he said like yeah why does such a tiny man need such a big desk and um <laughs> <laughs> and then uh said, um, oh, you can't play Flash Gordon, you have too much of an accent. And then Schwarzenegger goes, I have an accent, what about you? And uh, then he got kicked out <laughs> immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his agent was like, what happened? It was like a minute long, that meeting. Uh, but then they ended up later making friends Uh bellerentis and schwarzenegger they ended up making conan together, conan together yeah. yeah yeah so I just find i find this schwarzenegger so entertaining i'm just going to tell one more brief schwarzenegger anecdote which is that a friend of mine was at some like industry event like a marketing industry event in california and schwarzenegger got an award for it and he, his speech was super short he just walked up and he picked up the trophy and he was like, yeah, for the awards I've received, this is by far the most recent. And
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he walked off stage.
0: Um, just very quickly in terms of Schwarzenegger and in terms of Batman and Robin, a couple of things to note. Apparently uh, rumor has it that Mr. Freeze was originally considered for an actor like Anthony Hopkins or Patrick Stewart. According to uh Storyboard artist Tim Burgard uh, Early drafts of the script included Several Shakespearean soliloquies For Mr. Freeze Ooh, Uh, Christopher Plummer Yeah, (laughs) He would have been great
2: He would have been great
0: But apparently yes, as soon as Schwarzenegger was cast The script was changed very, very quickly Schwarzenegger was paid $25 million uh, For the role Apparently that's one million dollars for every day that he spent filming the movie, which is quite impressive. Paparazzi charged ten thousand, or sorry, charged ten thousand dollars for pictures of him in the suit as well at the time. And apparently Schwarzenegger actually kept the suit uh, with him afterwards. He has well, well, he, he can Brothers get ten thousand
1: dollars for every picture. Of <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: so, it makes it, it's like money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. He gets so much money out of that suit. Apparently um.
0: apparently he does. Apparently, according to people who visited his house, what he'll do is he'll take them in and he'll show take them into the wardrobe and turn it on. Because apparently it lights up the entire house when you just turn it on. And apparently because of the batteries, which leaked into his mouth during filming, it will run for 25 years, uh, which is quite <laughs> impressive of itself. A year for but... every million. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, so then, Andrew, yourself, do you remember the first time you saw Batman and Robin?
1: Yes. it was. It was kind of late... June, early July um, uh, 2020. <laughs> um, I've wo- never I, seen that a strange a time. <laughs> yeah. I, it was a very strange time. Yeah, things <laughs> things were a little bit different. Um, I woke up one night at about like half one in the morning and I got up and I started writing I started writing about the The upcoming like economic collapse of the world um from from the point of view of a um of a rogue um dwarf from some fantastical land called um eberon um and and how he had touched his arm and seen all of this but and then and then I thought no, that's too dark. Um, and so I opened up a laptop and started watching this movie and it, it, it was terrifying. <laughs> um, the, the, it was, it was just too much. Uh, so, so then I went back to what I was doing. Um, and, um, and yeah, I did, I, I guess I continued watching it today for a bit and, and watched it to its completion. Um, <laughs> and, and now I have finished watching it. Um, and I I guess maybe so. If, of all if I, the
0: bad Batman movies you've watched, this was most definitely the most recent.
4: <laughs>
1: yes, Yeah. yeah, yes. Um, I might I might do what Alex um had suggested, but my worry if I if I were to do that would be to show that this
0: to kids is it?
1: Yeah, would be that if I started what showing other Batman movies to kids. That they would be less excited about them because they'd be like, "This isn't as much fun as Batman and Robin." That, now, I've I've never really dug Robin. He's kind of the the. It's kind of it's kind of rubbish, and like, Chris O'Donnell was in a lot of stuff that I enjoyed, but I never ever
2: ever liked him once. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, yeah, a friend of mine calls him a deal breaker actor. So like,
0: <laughs> it's like the new Daniel Day Lewis movies coming out. He's starring opposite Chris O'Donnell. It's like,
2: ah. oh, wow. like yeah. i, I, I like half... I'll sorry, I'd watch half of that Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> movie. Yeah, uh,
1: I mean, I mean, they, I I really liked that that really that really terrible Three Musketeers movie. You know, because I was a child and I was meant to, and it was so stupid. It was like um, Roquefort, Isn't that a
0: smelly cheese? Um, <laughs> um, and, and yet somehow more cultured than the movie that we watched. Just like yeah. that smelly cheese. <laughs>
4: well,
1: yeah. I mean, in in um, in 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 the, in, in the Three Musketeers, um, you had Kiefer Sutherland giving such a like pathos, like the, the the and maybe I'm misremembering it, but like like remember how horny Charlie Sheen was in that movie, and um like The True Musketeers is great. This movie was it was just so it it's it, it's all over the place. I don't know what to think of it. It it felt like it felt like like some kind of weird John Waters movie mixed with snows like it's um yeah like, like it's certainly very interesting like it wasn't it wasn't
2: oh, I am mean, sorry what Batman and Robin or three musketeers Batman and Robin um yeah <laughs> sorry sorry yeah.
0: Batman and Robin's kind of a yeah um, I've, kind of an interesting one in in many respects cuz i think what what's
1: you like this, don't you?
0: I, like is a um, very, very strong word for how I feel. You
1: pre- you, you prefer this to Batman Forever, I do. Right? I absolutely
0: much prefer this to Batman Forever. And we'll probably get into that in a moment. Um, fine, fine. Let, let's it's just, it's funny you really...
3: should mention, though, um, Russ Meyer there. Because I was reading this thing, again, in the lead-up to it, where when they did the Criterion um, for Beyond the Valley of Dolls a few years ago, there's a, an essay on it where um, a critic called... Um, glenn kenny counted the 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 timing between edits and found that like in one 42 second sequence he'd done he'd cut the the 23 times in the the scene behind um when they're backstage at the concert and another critic then worked out that actually joel schumacher in this opening scene in the natural history museum where batman slides you know slides down the tail of a dinosaur and like a rocket ship takes off and everything he is actually cutting slightly faster than russ meyer does in that film and it's at the same tempo and it's something like um i pulled it up oh yeah 344 cuts in 11 minutes and seven seconds so that's a cut every two seconds pretty much and it's like it is it's it's like being hit in the face with like a sort of child's disco idea of like a sort of 60s batman and yeah funny you should mention rosemary because i was thinking the same thing and then looked it up
1: it's funny it's good though that The difference between this and one of the, like, recent kind of Transformer movies is that the characters in this, like, say, if if the fight is going in Arnold Schwarzenegger's, um, kind of direction, and he's winning, then he will say, yes! Yes! (laughs) So, um, so then then you know, then you know what's happening. More than that, you also Um, have
0: extras who will say, that was fighting dirty! Um, just so you know that he was fighting dirty, um
2: i we need to fight or, or
0: the moment where like where he tur- where he turns on the freeze in his headquarters and when the cop says my lungs my lungs are freezing um yeah. is it
3: like, oh, again that- though that's just emphasizing this is a film for children yes. like down to the fact we're like well we can't do subtitles because they can't read we, we're gonna need them to literally describe <laughs> what's happening yeah
0: um, what I will say, actually, because it's funny that Andrew mentioned this, just bat- very, very quickly, the, the Batman Forever thing is that, and I had that experience like with Joe. Joe mentions that experience of seeing a blockbuster, being interested in it, and realizing that movies that you should be interested in can be bad, and that being a moment of realization and development for you as a person. Batman- but you were like nine. Yeah, I was eight. Uh, Batman Forever <laughs> was that <moment laughs> for me. Batman Forever, I was sitting on a plane. on my way home from Ghana, eight years old. I was like, I like Batman. I like Jim Carrey. I like Tommy Lee Jones. They're in a movie together. This is going to be. You like
3: Tommy Lee Jones?
0: Well, I, I like movies. I was Big
3: fan <laughs> as an eight year old. <laughs> You're
1: like an eight year old who
2: really likes Tommy
1: Lee Jones.
2: Yeah, yeah he loved that Project Baseball fire uh, <laughs> pick he made with Ron Shelton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he saw it at the age of seven.
0: Days was it that uh, Days of Heaven? No, what's the uh, the Vietnam one that he made? The the trilogy with the uh, Days, Days of, of Heaven, heaven yet. Yeah. Um, that really touched me as kind of like a six-year-old. That was a real moment for me as a cinephile. But no, cause... no, no, it's heaven, on, heaven earth. on earth. Yes, apologies. That's it. You're right. Yeah. Uh, days of Heaven sounds I, like a we... Tom Cruise racing movie. It's a... <laughs> you dreamt
1: of growing days up of thunder, to... yeah, is, yeah. You dreamt of going up, growing up to be somebody who does a job, for no reason that's particularly important to him. Just like Tommy Lee Jones in the future. <laughs> 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 what he's like I didn't kill my wife I don't care I don't, I don't care, care. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but yeah so uh, uh,
1: it's every it's every young child's dream you know,
0: to grow up <laughs> to be Tommy Lee kevin's character <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I do this old, old I, I spend a third of my life doing something that I don't care about. I like to think I have the rich um, yeah, inner that, life
0: of a Tommy Lee Jones character. That's what
1: I like about um, Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones in that movie. Like, you probably don't see the stuff that he does at home. It's probably watercolors <laughs> and all that sort of crap. Yeah.
0: What he does in his spare time. He probably hosts a movie podcast. Yeah. But yes, um, what I, the thing about Batman Forever was it was as an eight-year-old, it was the moment that I realized that a movie could have things that I like in it and still be terrible. And fundamentally terrible, and to this day, with the exception of the Killing Joke, the animated movie, and the theatrical of Justice League, I still think Batman Forever is the worst Batman movie that has ever been produced. And I actually think that Batman and Robin is a much better movie, and we'll probably talk maybe about why that is in the spoiler zone because I think there's kind of I I have an argument um, in inverted commas. I have I have an angle that, uh, that I think makes sense of this, but we'll probably wait to dive into. Does that
1: st- Does that still put it in the top ten? You know, like Batman, Batman movies, movies. Now, that th- have ever been produced. No, I think
0: it, I think it narrowly misses out on the top ten uh, because there are so many of them, so so many of them. But yes, before we jump into the spoilers on this, so three questions to get us started. So, Alex, maybe you go first on this. Sure. Do you think the Batman and Robin is one of the worst 100 movies ever made?
3: No, um, I, I really don't. And you know, going back to what I, I said at the start, when this was the film that I saw and enjoyed as a as a child. And then it was only like years later when you when I started, I don't know, reading, you know, film criticism that I started getting the sense that it was commonly regarded as this massive failure. And I think some of that is actually about the precise timing when it came out. Now, don't get me wrong. This, it's not a good film and I'm not going to defend certain aspects yeah. of it. But I think, you know, it came out at the time where that whole sort of like film critic industrial complex was kicking off. And, like, (laughs) Harry Knowles at at Ain't It Cool News, like, this was one of those early ones he zeroed in on. And there was this whole new way of being kind of catty and mean about movies that hadn't existed before, thanks to the internet. And I think particularly as well, coming as it did after um, two, like, probably a little bit too dark films, um, although I do like them a lot. And then one sort of weird hybrid film of like, we're taking a little bit of the the weird stuff from the first two and a little bit of this new campy tone and kind of trying to mix them. And then this one was like full camp. And yeah, it just, it seemed to me over the years that a lot of people who really don't like this film still don't go back to that idea of like, okay, but guys, this is a film for children. You know, that that opening sequence that I already talked about it opens with George Clooney jumping through a glass roof onto a dinosaur and saying, "I'm Batman," and then he slides down the ba- the dinosaur like Fred Flintstone. And then there's an ice hockey game, and then a rocket ship takes off, and then they escape the rocket ship by surfing. And Robin not only says "Cowabunga," but also says "Surfs Up" at like a different point. And like as you sort of already mentioned, Schwarzenegger saying things like "Kill the Heroes." So it's an extremely stupid film, but it's it's also for kids. Um, and I remember, like, I actually, <laughs> And it's very 90s as well, isn't it? Very 90s. Um, like, I actually, like
1: it, it's that Disney on ice thing. In,
3: yeah.
0: In... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and At I... Was yes.
3: Yeah. Part of me is, is also, like, it's kind of like the way when you ask people who their favorite James Bond is. And they always sort of will say the Bond that they kind of grew up with, you know, or that right. they're familiar with. And so there's a bit of that. But for me, like, I, I didn't... Like the Batman I kind of grew up with was actually the '60s camp one because on Canadian television for some reason they just loaded that into the children's channel, so you just watch those. So it made total sense to me that like Uma Thurman would be like really vamping it up because it's like oh yeah that's just like Julie Newmar's Catman, Catwoman used to do, and and you know Batman used to dance in that show. So yeah, I, I've I've liked Batman films, I've you know enjoyed them, but uh, as I said, I think a few years ago this was like that. Last time where Batman, you know, could click his heels and and ice skates would come out, followed by ten years of him literally torturing and renditioning people <laughs> after nine eleven. And for that reason, I'm always like, yeah, but this is a this is an enjoyable film in many ways. It's stupid. It's a toy commercial. The script's not great. The acting is so wooden in parts. Like there there are the multitudes are of reasons why it's so bad. The stakes are super low. Exactly. But it's also it's it, I just always thought it, it's sort of like. It's like people who liked the Batmans early on and people who wanted to sort of be like catty and and kind of critical about something, they've decided on on Batman. And I kind of think like instead of going after Joel Schumacher, you know, maybe take a good, long, hard look at yourself that makes you pile onto a child's film um
1: well, well that's why it's in the bottom 100 isn't it that's it's
3: what i presume it, it's like, that it's yeah the two one of these 250 yeah, she, things that people don't like it online
0: it, this and Catwoman, yeah this and Catwoman yeah. are the two kind of batman related superhero it's, movies it's um, coincidentally um
1: like the only people who care enough to vote on the imdb 250 are nerds um and they and, 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 and like i and, i suppose like most mo- most, of us is probably, you know, um, self-identified as um, as nerds and there's nothing wrong um, maybe with being a nerd, but it, it's this kind of like
2: sense of entitlement. I appreciate
0: the maybe, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> we're on a
2: podcast yeah. Talking about well, um, Man. I'm <laughs> uh, I appreciate I'm... the maybe for the token jock, which is me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I mean, like, like nobody, um, I guess nobody really self-identifies as nerds except for like these, um, you know, um, young starlets who are on like, uh, late night television shows and are, and are asked. So like, what, what, what were you like in high school? And they're like, oh, I was a complete nerd. <laughs> People used to beat me up because I was so beautiful. That's, <laughs> uh, that, that's what I was like. Um, and, and, and I, I, like. You know, but but it's the sense of entitlement. Is, I'd actually be interested in they, how it long it has been Darren... on the 250.
3: Sorry.
0: I don't actually have a track record for the bottom 100, but I think it's been there pretty much uh, since Go. It, it actually dates back to before the restructuring of it a couple of years ago. It's one of the movies that has been there for as long as we've been recording this podcast. Actually, to, to what Andrew's saying, though, I think there is something there in terms of why this Batman movie is so triggering and not say Batman versus Superman or not even say Justice League is that it does have that kind of sense of entitlement. It's that sense of insecurity that I think you see around a lot of gir- and geeky, uh, kind of nerdy and geeky kind of properties. Uh, I think it's the fact that it is for kids is seen as being offensive. Because you have that weird thing where, you know, like you, you see the newspaper articles that are published all the time, comic books, they're not just for kids anymore. Um, despite the fact that, you know, they haven't been just for kids since at least 1987, if not long beforehand. But you have this sense of... Uh, insecurity around this, where it's like people are looking at this thing that I consider to be important to my identity, to who I am. And they think I it's the a kids' is thing. Super cool. Yeah, I think Batman is super cool, and nobody's going to take him seriously. Yeah, nobody takes him seriously because of this stupid movie with ice skates in it. Do you know? It's a real.
1: Do you know what it is though? As well, it's a people think this is a kids' movie, but it's not. They, but but um, are people think th- people this think this is a kids' property, and it's not. It's a grown-up thing because I'm a grown-up. Mm. I mean, sure, I can't cook, um, yeah. or, um, and um, and 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 sure, like you know, all it it's it's kind of this. It's it's this. I don't know. Is it is it this kind of like online film critic that lives in? They're... Sorry, actually, that's gone unfair. Yeah, um, yeah that
0: is, I was about to say, like, even I think that's unfair, Andrew. But it is. Yeah, but, but, is but no, horrible. like like
1: the, the,
2: the, the people who really hate this movie, though. Like
1: like, like we we. we... Uh,
2: I'm looking forward to having my turn. The bed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry, sorry to stereotype you, Joe. No, I mean, l- I mean, like, I Optimus. I really hate yeah.
1: this movie as well. But um, I, like the. The fact that it's on the bottom 100 movies of all time, like it's... it's, it's and ne- say
0: Fantastic Four isn't. Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: Like Darren and I actually agree about one thing, is that like Fantastic Four was one of the worst movies ever made. Um, but it's not on the bottom 100.
0: Because um, it's dark and serious and it validates that idea that these are things for adults and grown-up and people who exactly. are very mature and serious. Oh, the Josh I... Trank
2: one, is that the one you're talking yes, about? Yes, yes. Oh, I haven't Josh seen Tranquil. that one
0: don't don't um, there's a lot
1: of people in that movie that are very good so it, it's 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 really telling that it's such a jesus show you know what i mean <laughs> um,
0: but but again i think that like the idea is that batman and robin is kind of like why it became such a punching bag is because people take it more seriously or people are offended by the fact that it doesn't take itself seriously as compared to say crap movies that do and i mean i like batman versus superman more than most people but to pick an example it's interesting that that is never in contention for this sort of list for example. yeah i or i
3: would always rather watch this film than literally any of those ben affleck batman films like i, I would definitely always choose this film over those ones it's just right. it's fun Puns.
0: Um, but to jump puns. But to jump in, Joe, um, to be fair, I don't know if uh, do you bleed, you will. It's probably some sort of punchline, right? Uh, quite literally a punchline. But Joe, yourself, do you think that this belongs to the list of the 100 worst movies ever made?
2: Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, everything, you... <laughs> everything you said is true. It's true that um, there's certain sector of Batman fans that are very chippy and... Christ, if you want to be taken seriously as a film fan, then watch Parasite instead of Justice League again. Like, just (laughs) they're so chippy that they want to be taken seriously, but not they don't want to be taken seriously enough to watch non Batman films. And, um,
0: (laughs) well, they want to be taken seriously on their terms. Yeah, exactly. They want you, the serious people, to come to them, is I
2: think the thing. Yeah, and like, tough. But the thing is, yeah, I agree that Justice League is. As bad. In fact, Justice League is as bad a film as I have seen made like by professional people with real money and stuff. Um, But and I think Batman Forever is not good, Um, but I think Batman and Robin is very bad. It's as bad as those other films we've listed, just in different ways. Um, I don't fully subscribe to the notion that it gets a pass because it's kids film, because. I have a four and a half year old daughter. Um, I took her to her first movie um, about a year and a half ago. Actually, Darren, you were there. It was Missing Link. And Aww. that's, uh, yeah, you but were she there. She described it as
0: an Abbott, Abbott and Costello movie, I think is how you described it, which is a really great way of putting it.
2: Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I did. I got that vibe from it. But that that's a total gem of a movie. Um, just this morning before crash, she was watching Wallace and Gromit. Um, and, uh what else does she like? She likes uh, Detective Pikachu, uh, which is a real little gem of a movie. And there's so the like I have been consuming children's entertainment like a um, like a tidal wave of children's entertainment for the past three or four years. And like there is there is stuff that is just enjoyable for kids, and then there's stuff that's enjoyable to both. And I I don't even know if like my daughter actually really likes Lego Batman, um, and she likes that Justice League Lego cartoon. Um, but I don't know if she'd get along with this movie. It's it's a bit weird for her. I think um, maybe when she's like seven or eight, she might like it. Uh, well, and I think it, maybe yeah, if I think it like was... two, she would like it. <laughs> Just
1: it,
0: it don't like two-year-olds. Bright yeah, purple and orange. I and, feel uh, like,
2: I feel, I feel like I feel
1: it's not
2: like, big enough. Maybe. I feel like if people, you'll just keep adding conditions until it's good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's like, well, what if the child is in another room and be, they a good mood. maybe, maybe if they,
1: maybe if they were all Lego. Yeah. is there an app? that can turn like this into
2: Lego? Lego
0: eyes. Pro- there is it. a
2: Lego Batman. probably. Yeah, there is, and it's um, good. Um, yeah. it, but no well, I thought, it's
0: better than this. It is far better than this. I
2: kinda I I like I, I just thought it was so so hacky and so uh cheap looking for such an expensive movie. It looked real chintzy. Um yeah. it looked like a real kind of pound choppy kind of look to it. And um the story didn't make any sense and all the performances except Schwarzenegger actually, and um the guy who played Alfred uh, Goff. Michael uh, Goff? Yeah, yeah, Michael Goff. every other performance was bad in a different way. Um, so like Clooney looked kind of adrift and bored. And then uh, Chris O'Donnell was kind of shrill and his character didn't make sense. And then Alicia Silverstone looked kind of lost as well. And yeah. so a real shame. Um, yeah. Uh, like, well,
1: like I, I, I guess we'll, we'll talk about it later maybe, mm, but, but like I, I but um, it doesn't,
2: it just doesn't work on so many levels. Like, um, so yeah, like I, I kind of I kind of enjoyed it when I rewatched it recently because I'm fond of Schwarzenegger and because it's it's got a kind of a kitschy almost charm. Um, and it's weird. It's a really weird Carrier. film. It's like the it's as weird a film as you will see that costs over a hundred million dollars. Um so it, it kinda of held my interest as a academic curio, but as an actual movie that grown-ups wrote for other human beings to watch i don't think it's very effective the the,
1: the people behind grown ups wrote this um, <laughs> they, um, yeah, I wanted to ask uh you you, you really liked mi- the uh, missing link or sorry your 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 four and a half year old liked missing link and Wallace and Gromit. Have you seen the pirates in an adventure with science oh that is good
2: yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah I've seen it, but yeah. she didn't like it that much. She oh, found it too talky. Really? Yeah. You see, you don't realize until you're watching something with a four year old how how many kids films are just two people standing there talking, even some of the animated ones. So she was just like, "Mm, no. So maybe in about a year or two. Like when she's right. five or six, yeah. she'll love
1: it. I remember, I remember seeing that advertised and thinking, I wish I could go see that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and not be
4: uncomfortable. I
1: totally yeah. could, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, um, I felt, I felt like I it would be difficult to account to myself <laughs> about it, <laughs> like to and say, police, kind yeah. of, in
0: this room <laughs> surrounded by children. Yeah. Of course, now
1: um, I could because mm. I could With social
0: distancing. Well, no, yeah. I
1: could just call Darren and say like. Well, sorry. Before the covid I could call up Darren and say, "What are you up to this evening?" And he would say, like, "Oh, I have to go see the pirates in an adventure with scientists." <laughs> and it's like, "Do you want to see it with me?" Um, but no, that's um, that's no longer a thing. Um, anyway, sorry, uh, Alex. Do you think and, that this belongs on, on well, the, we on the did worst Alex. one? I was
0: gonna ask you. I was gonna ask do you I much. think it's your it, turn, Andrew? Do I believe it's one it? of the worst one hundred movies ever made?
1: Like yeah, like the thing about <laughs> Justice League is I started watching it, and it I, it it wasn't it wasn't terrible um at the point that I stopped watching it yes like i I stopped watching it because like i yeah, and the thing about this movie is that like it's awesome for i I'd actually turn, it probably has my notes, it was cool for like two seconds. Cause that 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 Warner when, logo when the Warner came Brothers up,
3: logo turned to ice. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> and then it was like, oh no, this is terrible! <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I mean, and, and I suppose like if you were being really charitable, you could say that it's meant to be terrible. It all is, of this, yeah. all of this, really camp. Um, like just uh, all the butts and uh, cod pieces, and like the way they. Um, oh, yeah. I like, feel I, really I, I, self-conscious I, I... because Darren has my notes but the way, <laughs> <laughs> the way the way they're just marvelling like at, at these really terrible props um, and everything looks kind of rubbish and like it's about to break and, and
0: plastic yeah and sort of like, yeah
1: um I wrote down if Darren and I had made a movie um because <laughs> it would have lots point. of puns, but we wouldn't take it very seriously um okay. and yeah the the it's it's really it's really really very, very 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 bad um so yeah i like it it belongs on the two fifty um, on the bottom 100 yeah oh sorry i what am i saying i've had too much wine on the bottom 100 this is a problem I'm
2: not recording with darren is that there's booze in my house <laughs> it, uh, it can simultaneously be the victim of online like campaigns and yeah. bullying and yeah also at the same time be a bad movie yeah.
0: oh no no like, is, uh, okay, is the get, lesson get, of get this some
1: things that are bullied deserve it <laughs> <laughs> is, 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 that, is that
0: what we're and, saying? Uh, Joe moving into the kind of jock role on the podcast.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, I, let me field that question, Poindexter.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's building the movie's character. Yeah. Um, But no, again, my turn. I'm actually going to side with Alex on this one. I do think it's terrible. I do think it's awful. I think it has very serious problems, but it also doesn't belong on a list of the 100 worst films ever made. Um, I think that this is very similar to The Avengers, which is it's a bad movie, but at least it's bad in ways that are interesting to unpack, think about, and watch. It is certainly not, I think, one of the worst movies ever made. I think that it's, you know, I think that modern movies tend to be bad in ways that are very samey very factory assembled there's a certain like a safety net or a curtain whereas movies that fail today are at least kind of frankensteined into something that resembles a marvel movie so that when something like you know terminator genesis or one of the terminator sequels doesn't work you can at least see like that kind of chalk outline of a body on the floor this is like walking into a crime scene that's just absolutely covered in some sort of weird translucent pink goo wondering what the hell happened here and it's kind of like as someone has to sit down and watch what movie, the
1: hell happened yeah. do you oh, know <laughs> are happened... you going to tell us
0: like yes well do you... okay well very very quickly do you want to know what happened about this what happened is... I, I mean so...
1: like is this an appropriate time to go into like <laughs> what, what what happened, what happened generally this? i don't care like (laughs) that's that's the part where i like fall asleep um when we're recording the podcast because it's like yeah who cares like people make movies (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but with this i'm fascinated like how did this happen um darren
3: what i would say as well to your point about a crime scene like yeah all those boring ass marvel movies are kind of boring because they're made by committee Whereas the one thing I'd say about this is, like, this is a serial killer's work. Like he's planned it, <laughs> he's done every part of it. Everything—it's entirely his design. Like every part of this is—is is his reflection of what a Batman movie should be. So again, I would always rather this serial killer film rather than a boring Marvel committee movie.
2: Mm-hmm. There are seven. <laughs> there are seven bad Batman films, Your Honor. You can expect five more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like if, if if like other bad movies are like CSI, this is like Brian Fuller's Hannibal yeah. you know, sort of thing going on there. Like it's it's kind of, it's really macabre and really interesting Constructive. We'll probably get into like how it ended up, how it did in the spoiler zone. But I will say, no, I don't, th- I think it is awful, but I don't think it belongs on the list of the worst 100 movies ever made. I think there's enough there that merits discussion, enough there that's interesting. And I think enough there that is... Directly redemptive of the problems of Batman Forever, which will probably get into this war zone. That it certainly doesn't count for me. This is your hot it is take. It's actually a Batman movie. This is my hot it's take. So um, hot, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a going it's, to have a cold got, reception, is my question. It's got a high. Uh? It's,
1: it's got like unnecessary high heels on it. Um, it it's 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 got like a figure hugging. Um, your take has rubber and, nipples and, for some reason. and and rubber lips. <laughs> Um, And has
0: for some reason shown up in a giant gorilla costume, but we'll get to that later. And then second question, Alex, would this be on your own, like your own worst 100 movies you've ever seen?
3: Again, absolutely not. Um, This, you know, I actually wonder if this would like, actually maybe be in my top 250 because like number one whoa I number one <laughs> even i think that's a bit i haven't seen <laughs> that many movies of the ones i have yeah this this probably it's probably down the bottom but i will always make an argument for this film um in in preparation for this podcast i actually watched some of this film with director's commentary and and would highly recommend it because number one joel schumacher has like the most sort of beautiful calming monotone voice like it's almost like asmr just him describing completely defending the (laughs) film being like a lot of people blamed akiva goldsmith for this nothing to do with him this was all me i take all the blame and he's just very like forthcoming it's wonderful but there's a part in it he's
0: great and he knows all the cast members who have kids and stuff and all the crew members. sounds like like a great guy (laughs) he seems like a really nice person but there's a bit at the
3: end where he's like um yeah this is a comic book movie and he's like and and before every single take i would get on the megaphone and i would shout at everyone remember people we are making a silly children's comic book movie and he then he said if you want to see something serious go see eight millimeter which i made right after this which is much more (laughs) like actually (laughs) about serial killers (laughs) and stuff
0: Was it Schwarzenegger's kind of, like, favourite thing about working on um, this movie with Schumacher was that when they were doing takes and that sort of thing, after Schumacher had gotten what he needed, he'd always do, and let's do one for you as an actor, (laughs) just do what you feel like, just go with it. Uh, Which apparently Schwarzenegger as an actor really, really loved. Uh, Did any of those get used? I imagine quite a few of them probably did. Yeah, yeah. Which explains why everybody's in a different movie. Um. (laughs) It was actually a really sweet
3: story because obviously, you know, Joel Schumacher um, died recently enough. And and, um, there was actually a sweet story I saw on Twitter when Minnie Driver was tweeting about working with him on Phantom of the Opera. And she said that one day she overheard another actress saying to Joel Schumacher, "Um, you're going to have to have a word with Minnie Driver. She's like really just playing it far too over the top. You know, she needs to like bring it down. And Joel Schumacher apparently just like looked over the top of his New York Times and was like, "No one ever paid to see under the top." She's doing fine, <laughs> and I was actually like, "Yeah, like that's true." I would rather see you know, playing for the rafters, going full, full, full um, with it. But you know, that's that's Joel Schumacher's style. So yes, this would not be in my bottom hundred films at all.
0: And what about you, Joe? The worst one hundred. Should call her maxi efforts. driver, Ah? Ah! Ah.
2: Sorry, and Joe. Um, It's in the bottom one hundred films I've seen. Your worst, yeah, Yeah, it's uh, probably yeah. You see, the thing is, like, like something like Batman Forever, which I know we'll be talking about later. um, It's bad in a different way. It's like it's like a dry rice cake. It's like (laughs) here, here is a here is a bland product mass-produced eat it and get out and uh whereas like this it's like here is your entree a bag of sand so it doesn't like it doesn't even work as a snack um so yeah like i i think it's bad as bad as the metaphor i just made
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and Andrew, what about yourself? It's pretty bad. One the worst one no no, um, no <laughs> Meatballs uh, and <laughs> chocolate sauce. <laughs> and um, spaghetti and Raspberry like, Jam. Anyway, sorry.
1: Careful, you know, I'd I'd i want it I'd want it on my bottom one hundred because it's so um bonkers. Like I think we we spoke about how like we've spoken a lot before about how the premise of this bottom 100 is that we're where we we've we've been told that we're going on a plane and that on and that that plane will crash but that we will survive and so will these bottom 100 uh movies so we have to put on movies that are genuinely bad but that we also want on us with, uh, uh, with, with, with we want to carry with a, us at all times. carry with us on the island so I would I would take this with me because it is really bad but I but <laughs> but, but but like it it's it does I should um,
0: clarify for Joe this is what Andrew has constructed around the question it's very starting
1: starting premise of the question like how do you know I won't die <laughs> how do you
0: how do you know all the movies are going to survive how do you um, know the movies will survive?
1: Are they hard uh, yes. copies of
3: movies? Oh, yeah. I don't um, know.
1: I think yeah. they put them in your Google Play
0: account. Yeah, it's a Google Play <laughs> account, and you just have really good Wi-Fi on the island. Mm. But you
3: can't use that to get off the island. You have to watch all the movies. No. Yeah,
1: Those I think it's like here are the one hundred nightmares that you're going to have for the rest of your <laughs>
4: life. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: um,
0: and on that criteria, Batman and Robin just about gets. Yeah, in. I think Ever so. Because
1: it, 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 abs- it <laughs> I mean, even though, even though I got, I got tired of the, um, of this particular nightmare. When I woke up in the middle of the night, I started watching this. Um, and it, where, where the other nightmare was, like things that might happen that might be worse than COVID. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: this was better than that one. this was yeah I mean it was better in terms of not being as bad um but it was also like better in terms of like a kind of bad that I can enjoy um More process. yeah and it'll always be the movie that uh brought me together with with Darren and Joe and Alex um Joe 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 and Aww. Alex you're you're our favorite guests uh don't tell any of the other guys
3: <laughs> um...
0: It's okay, nobody listens to the podcast anyway. we're fine. Especially true. not
3: the other <laughs> guests. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but yeah,
3: we
1: always have people like... on. We always have people on and we like, so, anyway, you're familiar with the uh, format of the show, you know how it works. <laughs> like,
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's the test, yeah. That's 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 how we weed this out. But yes, and then final question, Alex: Would you recommend people pause the podcast and watch Batman and Robin, which is now available in glorious four K, so you can savor all those deep purples and wonderful crotch shots? You you
3: joke, but I actually have looked at it on four K and been like, hmm. But no, I, I I streamed a version of this. Um, yeah, I actually would because I think you know Batman films in particular. They, and I'm sure you know we'll get into this because I'd imagine Darren, you probably have a lot more to talk about this than I would. But uh, the 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 like you know from the early Burton uh, films with with as um, you guys are already sort of talking about that were a lot darker and a lot sort of like grittier and all these kind of things, and then the later Nolan ones, and even the current ones that are just so sort of like bland and CGIs. I kind of think this one does stand apart even when people like joke about it and even sort of people it is this sort of like camp classic and what I would say as well is there's no other film quite like it you know and that's not to say it's good and I I should say that like even what you were saying Joe about like children not enjoying it to be clear I don't think it's a a particularly good children's film either I just think that (laughs) it's, it's,
0: it's, it's if you could show it to somebody who didn't have any developed taste yet it might work my, yeah,
2: this is going back yeah, to back to my going. theory that you keep adding conditions until it's good <laughs> that's true <laughs> um, oh
3: no, I think it's it's yes, a so camp it's classic I think like they, they really the are going over the top best it's really movie. really yeah it's it's actually <laughs> it's I would argue it's better than movie <laughs> it's better than a lot of other like some of the, you know a lot of the other Ben Affleck ones it's a lot of fun it's quite short. Uh, if you like Schwarzenegger, you'll enjoy all the stupid puns. Um, it's very colorful. And as I say, it's like shot so frantically and cut so frantically that you don't know what's going on. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of harmless in one sense, but also kind of just camp and enjoyable. It's like those 90s screensavers that were just like people (laughs) doing a maze, you know, and you're just like, oh, left (laughs) didn't work. Right. Didn't work this way. Exactly. You just sort of like, oh, okay. I'm watching this. Yeah. So yes, I would recommend people watch it.
0: This is probably the first time since our Twin Peaks podcast that somebody's recommended. You'll have no idea what's going on as a, like an endorsement of something. And Joe, would you recommend people watch it, having revisited it for this podcast? Do you think that it's worth people's time to go back and watch it? Or if you haven't seen it, or if you want to try it, or should you just kind of absorb it passively through pop culture osmosis?
2: And yeah, I think it's appropriate that earlier we were talking about Batman torturing people and using extreme rendition because this will be quite an effective tool uh, in Batman's arsenal. Um, I no, I'd I'd recommend you watch it it only uh, in an academic kind of way. So it's kind of like this is this is what a movie looks like when. They're reacting so strongly against Tim Burton's like vision, um, and they're under pressure to sell Burger King meals, and this is what happens. So, like, if if somebody was studying film, or if somebody was like an aspiring screenwriter, or uh, like oh, was getting started as a film critic, or something like that, uh, or like a, a bat completist, yeah, there's there's reasons to watch it. Like on a kind of an academic level, Uh, I wish I had a better word than academic because it's not like an academic film, Uh, but yeah. But like, as an actual piece of entertainment to help you forget about this difficult year we're all having, I would not recommend it.
3: I might just add to that really quickly. The only time I have ever actually independently watched it, like rather than for a podcast, has been (laughs) usually when like. I've watched one of the other ones and I've been like, oh, these are great. And then ended up like slow, <laughs> the slow march towards watching this one. Like, I think the lighthouse was showing Batman Returns a year or two ago. And I hadn't seen that in like 10 years. And I saw it and was like, whoa, this is really crazy. So good. It incredible. Amazing, yeah. And because that was like in my brain, I had to watch the first one. And then I watched Batman Forever. And then, you know, you're like, oh, now I have to watch this one. <laughs> Just out of a sense of completion.
2: It's like a. Tim Burton's nineteen eighty nine Batman is like an entry level drug, and then like you've hit rock bottom <laughs> when you are watching this one. Yeah,
0: yeah it's been the, heavily, heavily cut, the, cut the, in many, the, many ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Andrew, what about yourself? Would you recommend people watch this? Having just watched this for the first time, coming at it with fresh eyes, would this be a movie that you'd recommend people watch?
4: Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, like um, it's difficult these days. Well, I, I suppose like we're doing it right now, we are. Um, like the four of us are best friends and, and we, we we always we we always, wa- we always watch movies together, and that's the way this this Andrew movie has to be enjoyed. The wine. <laughs> that's the, that's so the much. way this um, has to be enjoyed like the, the 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 um like i i i once lived upstairs from a bookshop. And the the two guys worked in a in 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 a bookshop. Uh, my my friends, um, Adam and Donald, but like back in Sligo, and we would more frequently watch terrible movies than than good movies. And it 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 was so much fun, and it didn't. And it was it was kind of it was kind of a little uninvolved as well. Like you, you could you could do other stuff, you know, you like. Uh, roll a cigarette, or like um, you know, go to the fridge, or um, and like never had to stop the 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 movie. That belongs. Th- this movie belongs in that kind of good time, bad movie, um, canon. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, that it
0: makes no less sense if you get up and walk to the fridge than if you exactly, sit down and watch yeah, the yeah. Thing
1: and- uh, plus, plus, like it's bonkers. It's not. It's not boring. It's 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 um
2: it's it's it is legitimately weird yeah Yeah.
1: exactly and and like like you can kind of celebrate the 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 terribleness of it so i would recommend that people watch it but it's kind of weird if it's kind of strange if you're watching it on your own at like half one in the morning like in the dark um so don't do that um but but absolutely do watch this movie with friends
0: I love I love that Joe started from like Batman eighty nine as kind of like the entry level drug, and then like you know Batman and Robin being sort of like rock bottom. I like that you kind of started with like Batman and Robin viewing experiences as like an entry level drug, and then ended up on watching Batman and Robin at rock bottom at one thirty m in the morning, well, mainlining that. If thing.
4: you're
1: if you're if you're gonna take drugs, do it with friends. <laughs> 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 That's the the, the 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 lesson to take. Um, no no if uh, don't do drugs kids but do watch this movie
3: going back to joe's point about it being like maybe if it were sort of if you blurred the film it might be an appropriate distraction for like very young babies because of all the color and noise and everything like this would probably I'm also not sure
0: be that a, Joe's point. Um, I think Joe that but this point. would also he has be to a good actually rejected that. Point. Yeah, he
3: did anyway. reject it. No, um, but this would be a good. This would probably be a good drug film for those exact same reasons. In that it's kind of kaleidoscopic, and you know, you're just going to laugh along at every stupid joke, no matter how terrible it is.
1: I didn't say I was taking drugs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot, lot of, uh, of colour in here as well. A lot of greens, a lot of purples, lots of reds, lots of blues as well, which you don't see that often in modern blockbusters. Again, we
3: are adding qualifications, though, to Joe's, Joe's actual point. <laughs> Saying like, maybe if you didn't know what was going on, you'd find this film good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe if you just like bright colours. All right, then. So join us on the other side of the spoiler zone.
1: So, (laughs) Darren, (laughs) (laughs) what was this movie about for you?
0: Batman and Robin is about the conscious requeering of Batman after the erasure of kink and sexuality from him in Batman Forever. That's my argument. It's very much a reaction against the reaction against Batman Forever, where you have... You know, we talked about the Burton Batman movies. We talked about how they're weird. We talked about how they're incredibly horny in ways that are incredibly creepy. You have, like, Tani DeVito as a giant baby saying things like, just the pussy I was looking for. But you also have things like, you know, the Catwoman relationship with Bruce Wayne and the idea that that plays with kink and kind of like dominatrixes and leather and stuff like that. And after the release of Batman Returns, you have this backlash against it. So you have this movement from parents, this movement from, you know, McDonald's saying we're not going to continue to make Happy Meals because this is not a children-appropriate film. So what you end up with then is you end up with Batman Forever. And what you end up with in Batman Forever, which I rewatched it and found absolutely horrifying, and I think I reacted to it as a child, is you end up with this weird moral panic movie where the entire point of the movie is to let you know that Batman probably has a really, really, really boring and conventional sex life. So instead of Michelle Pfeiffer with whips and vinyl, you have Nicole Kidman, who's like, you know what? has absolutely no chemistry with Val Kilmer but she doesn't wear a costume. But She's hold on, wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Darren, that is insane. <laughs> You're, you you are a crazy person. Nicole Kidman doesn't have to have any chemistry with any characters in that movie. She has chemistry with the screen. Like the the the, the, the like
2: the camera what? is <laughs> her boyfriend. Exactly.
1: Yeah, they like I I was like knocked off my socks. I I remember it was the same time. It was like, like I was I was a young boy, you know, who who, who was trying I suppose <laughs> to discover myself. And it was like a combination of her in Batman Forever and Cameron Diaz in The Mask. It's like all right, I've decided I like women. You...
0: Um, <laughs> um, Tim Carey make a convincing argument. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Carey did
1: not make a convincing argument. No. No.
0: Um, it's interesting because again i had almost the same reaction to michelle pfeiffer in batman returns i think a lot of people did but the the interesting thing about batman forever is that it feels very much like it's consciously geared as a reaction against that so you have this idea of nicole kidman being this character that bruce can take home to alfred you know she goes on dates with him they go to the circus together he wears a tux she's also a therapist isn't she she, she is, she's quite literally a therapist. She's quite literally a psychoanalyst who can help him work through his problems. And you have, again, you have the, the restructuring the movie around what is the classic wholesome all-American Superman problem, which is she really likes Batman. But he really likes her. How are they going to resolve this dilemma? Or even the, you know, oh, maybe he'll give give up dressing in like hot leather and sort of weird fetish outfits so he can be with her. Which is kind of, again, vaguely like that kind of Fifty Shades of Grey thing. Where it's like, I'm going to quit being Batman so I can be with her. Which he does for about 15 minutes in the middle of the film. Which again, feels very much like it's okay, just so you know, Batman is totally hetero. There's nothing weird going on here. Nothing uncomfortable just so we're absolutely clear. And you have that even in, say, the characterization of the the Riddler, who is portrayed as a gay stalker. And the Riddler is portrayed as this guy who has this obsession with Bruce. And instead of being this dynamic with Catwoman, where it's like, isn't this a little bit kinky? Instead, the movie's like, no, this is this is pure gay panic. It's absolutely horrific and monstrous. And he's presented as an alternative to Nicole Kidman. So it's like, Bruce can choose between being like a fully realized human being and dating his psychotherapist, who just wants to help him resolve his issues with duality, or he can hang out with the creepy guy in the leotard, or the young boy with nipples on his costume. Okay. And that's not... But doesn't really
1: get into that. Like in the in the movie doesn't doesn't he get down with all that stuff? Like isn't it? Is, well, no, is, he is it the... Isn't he isn't he like kind of like doesn't he juke it out with like um the Riddler and that's like his little bit of strange and then like it, but gets to explore that later on with, with, with um with Nicole Kidman. Um like like uh, how did that make you feel? Like when 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 you punched the Riddler, like, um, isn't isn't a punch just a kiss um, with your hand from a rose? From like a
4: rose. <laughs> from a rose.
1: Um, uh, I don't know. Your power,
0: I, your pleasure, your pain. Well, like,
1: um, like the the thing about it, the the thing about all these movies is that like someone is into that sort of thing.
2: Like, like, like the moment when but, um, in this somebody movie, somebody is into everything. No matter what yeah. garbage movie is put out there, somebody is going to be into it. <laughs> Like when, when Poison Ivy was in, in,
1: in the, in the big gorilla, gorilla costume, costume somebody, somebody was like, oh, my God. Um, yeah.
0: I just realized that that's what I'm attracted to. Yeah. But no, more to the point, though, I think the issue for me is that like, when you tie it to the greater history of the Batman mythos, where Batman is a character who has historically been seen as being kind of uh, out there. And being kind of coded as gay, never intentionally, never explicitly, because of things like the comic code authority. I don't know. Hold on, hold on, I don't know
1: about on, that. On. Isn't he a kind of a square? But uh, like, 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 like he's as in Bruce Wayne is a square, but but okay. but but he gets up to like all this weird stuff like at night, right? So yeah. uh, like, there, there's, like may... but there's nothing in there's nothing inconsistent.
0: Yeah. But the thing is that, again, just very, very quickly, very brief comic book history lessons. So Batman was introduced. Robin was introduced. um, Batman, for most of his early existence, uh, spent a lot of time living with his creepy old British butler and his young ward in this giant mansion all by himself. In 1954, a psychiatrist called uh, Frederick Wortham published a book called Seduction of the Innocent, in which he pointed out that, hey, this bachelor living in this mansion with this whole British butler and this young young boy probably has some uncomfortable connotations. And again, took a whole host of imagery from the comics, including things. Hold on. Wait, to, a like, second, wait a second. Wait a Slow, together. slow, slow down, um, Darren. Darren or... is
1: is the weird connotation that like a, this British butler must be gay. Is it because it is, is it is it that the author of this book is like he's British. He's a butler. Come on.
0: <laughs> make the connections here. But no, it's, it's like panels for example of like Bruce and Dick kind of rowing boats waiting for the bat signal to air together or sort of like sunbathing together in the backyard of kind of like Wayne Manor or waking up in bed together, you know, the yeah. morning that this was published for example. But you had this kind of like pushback Pe- and reaction. People where... are always
1: trying to ship
0: characters. Like you, you know, like 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 our
1: our listeners are always hoping that you and I are going to get together. <laughs> and, and that there's a secret gay uh, subtext to, to to the podcast. Like, we're never going to tell them whether that's the case. Um, uh, so,
0: But but again, like that, that's largely what distinguished Batman from other heroes. Like, say, Superman had Lois Lane and therefore was coded as straight, straight away, for example. And things like the Fantastic Four being a conventional family unit. Batman was weird and eccentric and lived by himself and kind of had this relationship with other men. So were the monkeys! Oh, OK, OK, but, but
2: is it doesn't the superhero whole thing, the whole idea of somebody living yeah. a secret other Lies life that well. yeah. they can't yeah. fully be themselves. Hasn't there been some yeah. um, queer theorizing host- about
0: that? there has indeed an entire book's written on it and particularly like i think batman is a case of that because you don't have a lois lane character and what happened is that after this book was published you had a whole reactionary swathe in the like 50s where they invented characters like batwoman so batman could have was totally straight and batgirl so you knew that robin was totally straight and bruce and sorry and alfred died because you want to get rid of the creepy british butler and replaced him with aunt harriet who was like oh look I'm i'm a woman in the house you don't have to worry now and so what i think is interesting is that you could argue that like batman forever was very much that in terms of the 90s batman films because it's very much like batman's here he's absolutely straight he's probably very but you're, boring he's, but very you're generic. Introducing, he's very much like superman
1: you're introducing um robin robin who's are, like the, the, the most gay thing about batman um is 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 the is the is is the relationship between himself and robin and you still have alfred um like like is is batman forever the um the dequeering of cuz it the i I don't know They're, like I'm sure I mean I I I don't want to I don't want to take I, I don't want to kind of tell people that they shouldn't read your upcoming book about this Darren but um
0: I I don't know, sorry, sorry, go on, on. I'm I'm interrupting The point I was actually going to make, though, is that, like, the thing about Batman and Robin is that it immediately kind of throws all that out the window and feels very much like a reaction against that. You have things like the introduction of Poison Ivy, which plays very much like that kind of weird sexuality that you have with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, right down to the introduction, which is very much a retread of Michelle Pfeiffer's introduction for Batman and Robin. But you have her played as this kind of Mae West-style kind of drag queen thing going on. You have the central arc of the film being the idea that, like, poison ivy is a woman coming between these two men who are in a relationship together and need to see themselves as a family and need to see each other as partners as equal partners who can trust one another you have actual lines like bruce wayne saying i'm not the marrying kind there are things about my life that you wouldn't understand you have things like robin saying "You know, it's batman saying you're not thinking straight and robin saying i am thinking straight for the first time which again is not exactly hard to kind of code into no. that. No, plus have, plus you have, plus you have that
1: that situation like where 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 he's like, yeah, I'm seeing this lingerie model and she's trying to get me to settle down, and uh, I just don't know yeah. if I'm uh, if I'm into that. Um,
0: yeah. So it's yeah, very I mean, like, it's he-
1: very relatable guy stuff, you know.
0: <laughs> but like like Bruce's big arc over the course of the movie is that he can't tell Julie Madison that he loves her. He can't tell her that he wants to be with Julie Madison. She just disappears halfway through the movie. His big arc is telling Alfred, the British butler, I love you, old man. And the fact that he stop and his big arc is also stopping seeing Robin as a son, as like as a child that he talks down to, and instead seeing him as, in his own words, a partner yeah. and as family. And it- so it's very much like
1: it's 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 like um it it is it is very it it is a very weird sexy movie because it's it's like it's like everyone is kind of family but not it's 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 like the first um it's like the front page of Pornhub Um, Yeah, Yeah. it's like all (laughs) (laughs) kind of like uh, she's my sister (laughs) No,
2: it's the (laughs) stepsister Um, Oh, I I want to talk about Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry Yeah, sorry guys Uh, I want to talk about Alfred's niece uh, played by Alicia Silverstone um, because it seems like nobody knows, nobody involved in the casting of this movie knows what age any of the actors are Mm -hmm. So, like Uh, Alicia Silverstone rocks up, and she is. Alfred says, "This is my niece," and I was kind of going like, "Okay, well, that guy, uh, that actor, was something like eighty-three when he made (laughs) this, so like his sister um, would have to have like given birth to Alicia Silverstone when she was like fifty-five or something." (laughs) He's also got a
3: picture of her beside his computer and she's clearly like It was his
1: ha- it was it was his half sister, Joe. It was his half sister who we who we kind of like was attracted to. It was it was Who's the sister Peg, from by the way, who was named Peg to was, be clear but was anyway. It Peg, Peg Peg was his sister from his his, his father's second marriage.
2: Um, is this
1: true? No, but like it totally makes sense in the context of this movie. Um,
4: so,
2: but but anyway, like what I'm saying is, no, 83 year olds have like 18 year old nieces. Uh, I I just it's very, especially if it's the sister who had the kid, which was established, and then so, but then also she went to Oxbridge, but she's wearing a school uniform. So is she? Right. Is Oxbridge supposed to be like Oxford mixed with Cambridge? But then is she going to school? Is that why she's wearing a uniform? And then Chris O'Donnell is like hitting on her and Chris O'Donnell looks like 38. And so how old is everyone in this movie?
3: It doesn't matter as well, because at the end of the film, like when she's someone's like, shouldn't you go back to school? And Bruce Wayne is like, nope, (laughs) you're (laughs) staying with us now.
1: (laughs) Everyone
0: in this movie
1: is barely 18. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You are a token straight friend. To be absolutely clear here, token straight friend. You can be Robin. I'm sorry. Like,
1: like, am am I weird or was this movie weird or is it or or is it a bit both? Yeah, yeah. yeah, No, it is both. In the sense that, like, 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 it's it's um, it's weird in a in a in a weird sex kind of way. Like, that's why that's why you didn't like Batman Forever, right? Because.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Because it was sorry. too it was too normal. Because it
0: was not it was not weird enough, apparently in a sex way, is what I'm getting from this conversation. Right. But um No. Yeah.
3: I kind of agree with um with with Andrew's point though about um um or sorry, with Darren's point about the <laughs> the idea of this film and and its sort of gayness in a sense and it, it being tied into its campness. Because I remember last year we were doing another Joel Schumacher film that is not good for our podcast, Veronica Guerin, and I read an interview uh with him for vulture where he like sort of calculated that he'd slept with 20,000 people which it was a fantastic interview. I would recommend it's everyone go to check yeah, it out. In show
4: notes. But he it's
0: says twenty thousand. Yeah,
3: yes, yeah, no, he's he, yeah. he got around. Like he was a, a fashion yeah. designer, I think, in New York, and like a prominent fashion designer he in New York. He worked on Annie
0: Hall, I think, as well. Like he's been in the industry as well for years. He I mean.
2: was a costume yeah. designer for several Woody Allen films, and he wrote Car Wash, which is remarkable. That's mad, yeah.
3: But he said in this interview that um, he was asked whether he considered Batman and Robin to be gay, and he kind of said. That he, if he hadn't been gay himself, people wouldn't have kind of like ascribed a lot of this meaning to Batman and Robin. Now I thought that was interesting because then, like as you have sort of said, watching Batman and Robin, they're you know right from the opening moments of the, the when they're putting on their costumes and the way it's presented, there is obviously a very different sort of take on uh, on the, the presenting sort of things. You already mentioned the gorilla costume, which is, like, directly from that Marlene Dietrich Blonde movie. Venus. Blonde, Venus. Blonde Venus. So it's an extremely, like, camp classic. And in, in even um, um, Poison Ivy, the way she sort of presented, the hair, the like, high hair, the way she sort of, like, vamps around the place.
0: And, and the way in which she comes between two men. Like, she has to actually, like... Despite the fact she's played by Uma Thurman in a skin-tight costume, at the risk of sounding pervy, she—the only way that she can get Bruce and sort of Dick to like be attracted to her is to use chemical pheromones. Yeah, because apparently they're just not into that otherwise. Which again is yeah, interesting. It's
1: a it's a very it's a very strange Uma Thurman movie because it's an Uma Thurman movie where like where. Where she is a kind of this alluring character, she could have just been Uma Thurman, but some
2: somehow like the the they, um, like, like someone in the production the, is like, "Wow, we got to find a way to contrive it so these two dudes will fancy Uma Thurman." Okay, scriptwriters, yeah, yeah. yeah, work your magic. Yeah, what do you got? Yeah,
1: <laughs> Chemical I, I'm yeah. I'm confused about that claim that that's. Um, joe schumacher made well it's what interesting age, what age
0: was he when he said that
3: he was it was last year so oh, he was in the, his 80s or is something this is the twenty
0: thousand yeah. comment is sorry oh is this the yeah yeah it's the twenty thousand people comment yes. it was in the I year, year 20 like this, focus on what's important. yeah i thought yeah, you were what, talking what, about the film's I, clearness
3: but it's fine well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> what
1: what, what, I, what I, did 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 he make this this claim recently <laughs> Yes,
0: Andrew looks like he's working the
1: calculator <laughs> on his own. I am. I am. He's. He's. He's current. He was born in nineteen. No, oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. He was active oh, from nineteen seventy to twenty seventeen. <laughs> so presumably most of it happened during then. So that's like forty seven years, right? He he died in twenty seventeen, right? Yeah, and we he's, have to presume the last no, few 20, 20, years maybe 20, 20, weren't 20, as yeah. as. Yeah. as
0: 2020. He died in June this year.
1: Oh, okay. So, like in the, the last three years, he might have like had some sex,
2: but um... So he died at pre- the age of eighty. So, yeah,
1: assuming so he, died he at the was age massive. of eighty. So, say say like like if he if he started having sex at eighteen and had had sex like every night with a different person for fifty four years mm-hmm. um, until he was seventy two and. Mm-hmm. Like and then like the last eight years of his life for Baron, but but yeah, actually like maybe maybe <laughs> maybe no, maybe, like no, but like maybe he could have done it. Maybe like it's likely he started earlier than eighteen, right? Um yeah. well, you And did, it's he likely talked about
0: how he smoked and drank at at very young ages, right? Um, but this is a very. Are we really fixating on this? <laughs> is this what we're? This is what we're committing to. Is this or, what we're going for? Are you or trying to, get to game, catch
2: up?
1: Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like what do i need to do to be joel schumacher i'm not yeah. i'm not gonna be joel schumacher but do- listeners of the podcast don't try especially like if you're <laughs> listening to this podcast um, no, we love our <laughs> listeners. Um.
0: <laughs> uh, but yes, um, so yeah, and what's interesting about Joel Schumacher is he seems to have gone back and forth on it. He gave that Vulture interview where he said, nobody would say that if I wasn't gay. But he's also, on the other hand, given issues with GQ where he's like, yeah, um, I'm really happy that it's seen as a piece of like gay art now. And even things like Clooney has said that it was Schumacher who told him to play Batman as gay it was the direction of schumacher who kind of came in on it so i kind of it is it is an interesting and kind of multifaceted kind of thing in that sense i, think.
3: I read another interview actually um, or not a, a a piece sort of a reassessment thing after he died recently by rich Joswiak on jezebel who sort of says that schumacher's like denial of the film's queerness actually kind of like allows it to function as a sort of queer claimed film because a lot of films had to like exist in that kind of like Nod and wink kind of way for so long that it is one of these last camp classics before you know you would actually just like have a lot more Make mainstream. A gay movie. Exactly, exactly. Make Flawless,
0: for example, Flawless was a project he worked on after that, which was explicitly kind of coded as as gay. Um, And again, like, you could argue that's a large part of Batman as well, because Batman was never actually gay because the publishers would never allow it, but he was claimed as gay because, you know, there weren't enough characters in literature or in pop culture that could be claimed in that way. I mean, I think around the time, 2007, Grant Morrison basically argued that, uh, yeah, Batman is gay and is the gayest character in in pop culture history, um, despite the fact that he has never had sex with a man. Uh, But anyway, sorry, enough about that. I think we're kind of fixating on that point. Andrew, you wanted to know what happened uh, with the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. what, 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 what,
1: what? What happened like like I'm I'm kind of glad it happened maybe maybe, maybe. is it <laughs> is it is, I mean is it just it, is it I think it's been suggested that Joel Schumacher happened and that it's good no, that that happened No that's not fair
0: that's that, that's not necessarily well, fair. Is Sh- it,
1: because like has has he has he not kind of uh, was Alex not kind of suggesting that Joel Schumacher was quite happy to you know take any credit or blame for the the um yeah. What? For the complete it, mess that this movie is, he's also is. a nice okay.
3: guy, though. So, like, he I should a, emphasize yeah, he, that right. he, he probably took a lot of the, like, you know, oh okay. yeah, I guess I screwed that up.
1: You don't sleep you with decide. twenty thousand people <laughs> and not be a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, so no, like Schumacher really comes across in interviews when he's talking about it as being a guy who's like, I'm going to shoulder this. I'm going to take this. He's very careful to say that Clooney was great. He thought Clooney was fantastic. Schwarzenegger was a joy to work with, for example. Jim Carrey was just a delicate soul. Like Alicia Silverstone, while this was being made, was getting shamed in the press for her weight. Um, She was being called fat girl and butt girl, which is obscene when you think about it because of photos that were taken at the Oscars. There's actually some art that was done on the production as well by an artist who was almost fired for it, which called it was a clueless too, in which basically he drew a character who he claims was not meant to be Silverstone being kind of put into a corset, mocking her weight around it. But Schumacher like came out swinging on that Schumacher consistently came out and he was like, what, you're going to shame her for having a slice of pizza or, you know, you're living in an era where people are suffering from bulimia and from anorexia. And like, this is the message you're sending. Schumacher was like, to his credit, incredibly protective of his cast and crew. So when Schumacher goes out and says, what happened to this movie is it's all me. I'm a big boy. I can take it. I did see that more as a reflection of Schumacher's character than as, you know, an honest, entire kind of assessment of what he did, because I think Schumacher's made decent films. I think Schumacher's made good films. He's made much better films than this, for example. I absolutely love Phone Booth. I think Tigerland, which was the movie... You mean
1: that Phone Box?
0: The Irish version with Mr. Colin Farrell in it. But yes yeah no again like i think the schumacher kind of takes it on the chin as it were with this he's very much you know he kind of stands out in front of it he's talked about how he wanted to make a darker batman movie how he wanted to make a more psychological batman movie but that was simply never going to happen because of the constraints that were imposed on it, because the studio it? was reacting against movies like for example why? you know the two batman movies a batman returns
1: why make it why make a dr freeze then like it was the perfect movie
3: Actually, his he's name's Mister Freeze. Mister Freeze. Bizarrely, he, he is a Freeze? doctor, but they they only call him Mister Freeze. Presumably, his medical license was stripped upon becoming a villain.
4: <laughs> he's not an honorary not...
1: doctor. Like, do yeah. we do uh... we still do we still have to call uh, Bill Cosby Doctor Bill? <laughs> Sorry,
2: <laughs> as he had that taken away. Um... He played a fictional doctor, so no. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah and again Olympic Decathlon winner as well I believe as well which is one of those great little details where it's like how can we explain how this nerdy scientist looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) that's like every Arnold
1: Schwarzenegger movie (laughs) my
3: my favourite part of the film actually does remain Batman saying like who's this Mr. Freeze guy and they show a film that looks like it was directed by Bergman. It's in black and white, there's no sound, and it shows, it's like, so Arnold Schwarzenegger good. being sad with his wife, and then, like, falling in the tank, and then, like, squeezing his eyes. It was incredible.
1: It was so good. And, and like, the, this... The, I feel like Schwarzenegger was, I think, like, the best... Probably the... Almost the... Like, it was nearly... It was the best scene in the movie, I felt. And it was almost a good scene in a movie was the moment where um where where batman george clooney um i thought that was the best george clooney was in the entire movie and he's like terrible throughout but i think the best he was in the movie was leveling with mr freeze mr freeze was a type of ice lolly um <laughs> In Ireland, by the way. So it feels weird calling him Mr. Freak. But but the best He does operate out of a
0: snow cone factory, to be clear. He does,
1: he does. And and he has a big vat of like um mint um ice cream. Mint chocolate chip ice cream. Um
2: So Yeah, people are always falling into vats in this movie.
0: Well, I mean, there's no safety rails. Like, Gotham's Gotham's architecture is absolutely insane. The observatory that is in the giant statue's hands being pointed at the sky, which is, again, I love the kind of... Like, Anton first Gotham from Batman, but just taken to an absurd degree. Where it's like, yeah, let's have a party at the Gotham Observatory. Where is it? Oh, it's in the hands of the giant statue. You can't miss it.
3: Yeah, but again, that that feeds into the film's queerness because, like, then they drive their cars, like, all over the guy's chest and, like, down his arm and everything. Like, it was, again, very...
0: Yeah, and again, I would argue that Mr. Freeze himself arguably fits into that template as well because he's the only happy heterosexually married person in the movie and he's very much characterised as a person who is quite literally frozen in time, as it were. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. But he's very much much anchored in a 50s sensibility. He's introduced wearing this kind of smoking jacket like a kind of a family patriarch. He's trying to get the boys to sing along to I'm Mr. Uh, Icicle, I'm Mr. Freeze. He's trying. He's, you know, he's got a cigar in his hand. He's very much kind of an image of kind of like this leave it to beaver type thing going on, which I really, really like. I think and that again, was just Arnold Schwarzenegger
1: conventional... was smoking a cigar, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they left the camera running. Like the, I, I really, I really do want to give some love to those Art Deco statues. I think it is a great shame that we don't live in a world that's dominated <laughs> by by a great kind of like muscular men holding the world up and um like our cities should be should be like that and and women um
3: gotham's (laughs) town planning from the first one where it's all just like a dank dark alleyway like the entire city is just like the same terrible alleyway to like the next one which is like the city from metropolis it's incredible like
2: so you turn left at the giant's hand, and, uh, <laughs> if you reach the foot, you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, but again and again, I kind of, I do, I think there is something there in that, in terms of Chisel lad's Avenue. Way. Um, <laughs> um, Andrew was wondering why Mr. Freeze was in it. This is again an example of how carefully calculated the movie was. It was very much driven by the studio and by demands uh, and by outside forces. Apparently, DC Comics were very instructive. Mr. Freeze is there because the character had been the centerpiece of an animated episode that won an Emmy in 1995. Well, yeah, so but, but, was but, but like, why did it win an, an Emmy?
1: Like they, they oh, because sh-
0: it's actually brilliant. Because it's, actually, it's brilliant. actually brilliant, exactly. It's an actually, it's an actually like, brilliant piece of animation. Yeah, yeah.
1: like, like, and, and, and it's truly kind of touching and beautiful.
0: Um, um... But uh, what I really love, what I really kind of hate, well, love and hate about Batman and Robin is that it tries to have it both ways. So it gives it Mr. Freeze this kind of tragic backstory where he's like sitting at home watching these home movies of his wife and it's like meant to be touching and crying while his then, tears is freeze. It that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> but then Frosty runs in and he like freezes him and he's like, don't talk during the movie. And then it goes back to being this kind of sad, melancholy story of the Iceman who lost his wife. It's kind of the, the balance of tone is incredible in all the wrong ways it's fantastic it's like there's, it's awesome there's in a, the most literal sense
2: there's a really beautiful moment in the movie when Schwarzenegger is holding a tiny statue of his wife in his yeah. hand in the cell and it's it's beautiful like it's a beautiful like yeah. silent melancholy scene and then like yeah you're just snapped out of it the spell is broken in an instant as soon as it's cast
1: but they, they undercut that later on when, like, uh, Poison Ivy is like, well, you you think that rubbish wife of yours is any good? Like, let me show you this. And then she takes out, like, a glass case. But th- this time there isn't, like, this, like, beautiful kind of um, wife sort of figurine, like, uh, carved in, in ice, kind of uh, rotating. There's this horrific... Um, uh, uh, plant animal. Oh, snake, yes. Yeah, sn- yeah. Snake
0: Muppet. Snake
3: Muppet. I should also say that in that scene, like he's just been told his wife, who his entire life has been about up until that point, is now dead and Batman killed her. And is, he's like, he's got a moment of like crying and then she's like, check out my snake plant. And he's like, ha ha ha. Like, immediately forgets <laughs> his yeah.
4: wife is dead. <laughs> uh, I also have to
0: admit, I, I do love that Schwarzenegger consistently called bane mr bane which i kind of adore it's <laughs> one of those little characterization touches that i kind of love in the film um again it, it's so tonally all over the place and it feels like you're almost cutting together four or five different movies it's notable that, like at one point poison ivy was supposed to murder julie madison like that's why Elle mcpherson disappears halfway through the film <laughs> well she was supposed to get murdered but apparently the studio said no 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 that's too dark so take that out um, and again, like what happens with poison ivy at the end? How is she defeated? She's kicked back into a plant, right?
4: Is that what? That, is that it. how? Is that
1: is? Yeah. Oh that, no! Wait, that's, it, that's sorry, but they... they... Well, that girl shows up, she makes... kicks
0: her, and she lands in a plant. That
1: makes sense thematically, because um, uh, poison ivy's lair is a vagina like inside a vagina inside like a vagina they're they're um it's the most um like female space and it's like that girl comes in to kind of like rescue them and take them out of it and put her back in that Darren, I thought you would be all over this.
3: I actually <laughs> thought you were going to say a much simpler idea, which was that, like, the cure for poison ivy in real life, if you ever brush up against it, listeners, get a dock leaf, like those big wet leaves, and actually ah, rub it against your yeah. skin. You'll actually, like, it'll relieve, it'll it'll cool. And the plant that she ends up wrapped in does kind of, bear you know, resemble a dock leaf. But, but no, no, no Andrew's,
0: <laughs> Andrew's
3: much more perverted version is probably yeah, well, the right this is answer. A per-
0: this is a perverse <laughs> movie.
3: <laughs>
1: Like yeah. I like I one hundred percent agree with Darren. Like that 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 this movie is a freak. I uh, I think it's
3: a freak, but I don't think it's perverse. I think it's kind of like it's it's proud, and it's, I think where yeah. it falls down is I mean in the commentary. No, I mean that, Schumacher like in a positive says, way. Like I'm not no sure it. No, no no sure. But I think that where it really falls down is the and he says this in the commentary that like the studio taught him this new word that was called toyetic. And it was all around like, oh, you have to design this so we can make as many toys from this as possible. So we talked about like how that influenced the entire approach that people would actually come on set and be like, okay, but can we change their costumes halfway through? And he'd be like, why? They, they have their costumes. You're like, yeah, but if we can do like slightly different costumes, then we can sell slightly different action figures. figures. <laughs> um, and well, that there was really something does... very
1: toyetic about that, um, about that plant that like swallowed her. Yeah. <laughs>
3: It's funny you should mention the ice thing, though, because as well, when he was watching that scene of like Schwarzenegger smoking the cigar in his robe and like, he's like, all of this was for sale in the Warner Brothers store. I walked in there one day, they had his robe, they had everything. I was like, this is great. Like, we made a toy commercial. <laughs>
2: oh, I I love that robe he wore.
0: No, I mean, again, like uh, Schumacher actually mentioned the point at which he found out he was not directing a third Batman movie. He was actually opening a Warner Brothers store appropriately enough um, <laughs> in terms of kind of like you couldn't write it in a movie. It would be perfect kind of ending there. Oh, uh, wow. But again, in, like in terms of that, just actually in terms of that. OK, I'm going to go back to the perverse stuff. It's, like, that's, that's what, uh, Joe, mentioned. Joe mentioned with like Barbara and her uncle Al. Is it weird that he like designed that costume for her? Is it kind of strange? And particularly the way the camera kind of does the close-up? Honestly, that was the (laughs) least
3: worrying thing in all of that. Number one, like the first rule of InfoSec, you do not write your password immediately beside your computer, which is what Alfred did. Number two, he seems to have completely designed... (laughs) He designed, though, like an AI model, and instead of, like, using that to solve cancer or anything else, he's like, I'll just recreate myself so I can control the microwave and continue to make them meals after I'm dead. Like, what's the point? And then yes, he's also designed her a costume, which is kind of creepy.
1: It's got high high heels and and like like prom prominent boobies. I, 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 I was
0: I was apparently Schumacher lost the battle over nipples on that one. Apparently, really, because the studio thought but, that would be inappropriate. But yes, isn't that, that
1: like a weird thing where like the uh, 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 Americans don't re- Americans really hate like female nipples they 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 feel like they're the devil isn't it and l- like you, you can put as much violence in your movie as you like or, or or like you can you can you can have like people like slam their heads together for like 80 that's minutes that's what i feel about this whole
3: Which, film exactly like with the next batman films he's literally slamming people's heads against walls for the next like 9 hours and in this one yeah. people are like oh this one's the worst why because there's some gay stuff and it's you know Got nipples in it. Which I'd also point out, Val Kilmer's suit had nipples as well. And they didn't pile on that one.
4: Can we give Val
1: Kilmer some love?
0: (laughs) No. No, we
3: can't. Do
1: people not... Like, compare him to George Clooney in this. He's got to be better than George Clooney. He's better than George Clooney.
0: Yeah.
3: Joel Absolutely. Schumacher, world's nicest man, said that on the commentary. He's like, Val yes. is better. But I do like George, and like he complimented yes. him and did everything else.
0: Well, I mean, yes, yes. He described was it working with Val Kilmer was apparently a nightmare, along with working with Tommy Lee Jones on Batman Forever was a nightmare. Apparently, uh, Schumacher also said, on I think on the commentary as well, which is quite a compliment to pay, um, he, we were able to reuse the same bath suit for George Clooney and Val Kilmer, but we had to enlarge the cod piece for... Uh, well, for George Clooney uh, but apparently yeah the, the, the thing about again the thing about Schumacher is that he's co- perfectly willing to talk smack about people out of school and again like the sense in which Kilmer was impossible to work with uh, on the movie but that's what again, you want that's what you want
1: face. out of a of Kilmer in- <laughs> <From> experience <laughs>
0: <laughs> Insisting people call him Mr. Kilmer Not make eye contact And putting out cigarettes on your face It's
3: probably why Miss Schwarzenegger called Mr. Bain Mr. Bain It's probably like a little in-joke reference to that
2: uh,
0: to, to Mr. Kilmer
2: I want to talk about the terrible lyrics Of the Gotham City song By Or Kelly um, Because I actually wrote down some of the lyrics uh, He says City of justice, city of love City of peace And if that were the case, then Batman wouldn't have to exist. So it, it, it's almost like if he wrote a James Bond song and it's like, OK, listen up. This is what my James Bond song is about. He's terrible with women. He's not allowed to kill anyone. He doesn't use gadgets. <laughs> he can't drive. Like it's it's a, I was I was wondering earlier whether like or Kelly had written some song about New York or Paris and his agent rang him. And his agent rang him and said, like, here, can you do a song about Batman? And he's like, oh, yeah, you clearly yeah. know. I, I couldn't care less about Batman. And the agent is like, how about a million dollars? And he, then I'm picturing Org Kelly, like, crossing out New York on the <laughs> lyrics of his song. And then he just, like, records that and buys another yacht. Uh, re- I'm fascinated by how bad that song is, both <laughs> as a song and then as a song about Gotham City. Maybe like if he had written a
4: song
1: about like New York before they cleaned it up, then it would be like an then it appropriate might work, sort of,
0: like, yeah. an eighties version. Like lots um. of like
1: peep shows and um yeah,
3: um. it's kind of a nice idea to go out on that song though with the whole like of that quadrant of movies. Like finally everything's okay. He's killed or defeated every villain. It is now a city of love. There will be no more need yeah, for Batman. There's
0: literally a sun rising as well, yeah. and one of the things that again I did kind of like in terms of being a bit of a Batman nerd is the fact that like Batman brutally, brutally murders so many people in the previous three movies. I kind of like that in large part due to I suspect Schwarzenegger's star power. Um, he ends up redeeming Mister Freeze at the end of this, where mm. it's just like, hey, I'm gonna like not kill you. In fact, I'm gonna help you save your wife. I'm gonna redeem you and allow you to be a doctor again. And it's yeah. not earned in he, any way. It's not earned at all, to be absolutely clear. It's not set up for he's, shadows. He's it's still lying in the
3: same prone position where he just like detonated all the grenades to try and kill everyone, and then Batman like makes it back up and says, Now I'm actually gonna let you off the hook after you tried to kill us all. I just <laughs> he posted a war prison. yeah Yeah.
1: it's like (laughs) but he
0: gets to keep his cool suit this time don't
1: worry you're going to prison but I got you premium status (laughs) you get to come and go as you please and kill whoever you want
3: (laughs) you get to kill Um, one prisoner yeah (laughs) yeah.
1: and you can wear (laughs) your
0: suit I love, by the way, that when they wheel him in the first time, it's very clearly a Gotham Deluxe fridge that they wheel him up in as well. When they're wheeling him through Arkham, which I thought was kind of again that sort of nice campy aesthetic. Um, again, I don't think the movie works at all, but I do like little touches like that. Notably, also cameo from Coolio. Yeah, apparently
3: he was playing Jonathan Crane. What? Jesse Ventura, yeah. Yeah.
1: From from uh, the, the Joe Joe will 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 uh, probably be the. Uh, well, I mean, Darren will be might be familiar with Jesse Ventura from wrestling, but I I I I I sense that Joe uh, might be best familiar with Jesse Ventura from um, from his part in Predator. Of course, there's so many things to know Jesse Ventura from. I mean, Darren, Darren, you'll you'll know him from X Files, but he he was the he was the governor of Minnesota.
4: Yeah, um, it's
0: one of three films. I think to, this is one of three films to star two United States governors in it. Um, obviously, <laughs> of course, sports thing. Yeah.
4: Predator. what was the third, <laughs> and the Running Man.
0: Oh, of it's course, of course, yeah, yeah. Same two each time. Sorry, sorry, Joe, got you off there.
2: And um, Coolio was supposed to play Scarecrow in a, another. That's Batman what I film. heard. Yeah,
3: yeah, that he was playing Jonathan Crane in this.
0: Yeah, the the rumor is that uh, apparently so. He already had plans for the next film he was going to make. It was going to be called Batman Triumphant. They are also apparently working on a separate Robin spin-off that was going to be a star vehicle for Chris it's O'Donnell. What the people <laughs> want. Well, yeah, give the people what they need. Interestingly it, enough, apparently... Can I just say something?
4: Decided... Well, why,
1: why did they not use the fact that his name is Coolio? <laughs> <laughs> like in this movie? That feels like a real missed opportunity, you
0: no? Know? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a... He sadly didn't share any scenes with Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But yes, apparently like Schumacher was planning on doing Batman Triumphant after this, which was going to be starring Jonathan Crane. Was apparently going to be a big vehicle to get Jack Nicholson to come back and pay him lots of money as a hallucination um in the film. But thankfully that never happened because this failed to make uh well, enough money. Or they probably
1: money showed back. him all of the hallucinations from this movie, and he was like, <laughs> Oh no No thanks, <laughs> that
2: looks rubbish. Um Yeah. The film has a remarkable legacy because like as as everyone knows it caused the the reboot and batman begins and then the whole darker equals deeper equals better mindset that people still haven't gotten over about 15 right. years later um it repositioned uh, george clooney's career uh, after this clooney clooney famously said that this was a turning point for him that he didn't want to be and doing press for a film he really disliked, and he followed this with like probably the best run. Out of sight. Out of... Yeah, out of sight, which like two or three years in a row, Clooney starred in my favorite movie that year. Um, it was I out of sight that was my favorite movie that year, and then the Go following year, Three Kings. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, the Three Kings was my favorite film of the following year, and it, and then uh, Ocean's Eleven and stuff, and then directing. So that that a big part of him following that path was a bad experience with this movie and then also schwarzenegger um he never fully recovered as a movie star from this so that that was kind of a legacy of this as well His he, his like pivot into politics and then like when he came back he had a few flops and now he's making smaller very quiet films and so there's loads, like maggie for
4: example
2: yeah. yeah like maggie and aftermath and stuff like that and uh so there's there's loads of um ripples in like modern film like that happened with this clunker of a stone falling into a lake
3: it's funny you should mention that because schumacher is kind of like unrepentant at the end of the commentary Um, where he's like a lot of people said this like killed all these people's careers and then he just lists all the successes and it's actually quite sweet because he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor of California George Clooney biggest move but then at a certain point like obviously you know there are um, certain uh, like he sort of says Uma Thurman two wonderful children and he actually like starts naming like more life triumphs rather than career triumphs and I actually found that quite endearing I was like yeah that's true like no one's lives were ruined well, by this film Joel Schumacher uh,
0: I, uh, what... Sorry, Alex makes it sound vaguely like the ending of like a Law and Order episode where there's a picture up at the end and it's like after this Arnold Schwarzenegger went on to serve two terms
3: I should also say that Joel Schumacher also like a solid five minutes before the film ends is like I'm gonna leave it there <laughs> just walks <it laughs> off
2: doesn't do any more commentary <laughs> But, yeah, it was, like, I, I actually wrote in my notes that it was a career maimer. Like, everyone, like, nobody's career was killed by this, but everyone's career took a setback. It would have been better for their careers had they taken a year off, um, rather than star on something so high-profile and so, like, so a, a whipping boy, like. Um, so, yeah, like Alicia Silverstone, She her momentum from... Clueless was kind of Just kind arrested, of pretty much. yeah. And Chris O'Donnell, his his momentum was kind of arrested by this. And well, then Uma Thurman. Fair, were... it...
1: Uma Thurman, if she had taken a year off, would she also have not
2: done, have done Avengers? Avengers?
0: No, Avengers was the following year. Oh, right. Yeah,
2: that that, yeah. that didn't help, uh, but. Like she was Uma Thurman was so cool when she made this film. Like she was, she had made Pulp Fiction at this stage, Uh, and then Clooney was like the hottest TV star like at the moment. So every yeah, it's like everybody was like barreling along. It was like the hottest cast he could have assembled, and they were all just like stopped in their tracks by this movie. And yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Then the ramifications. um,
1: I feel like Uma Thurman is kind of bulletproof when it comes to. This kind of bad like i don't think I, I i would imagine i get the impression that the likes of this and Avengers don't do any harm at all because I feel like Umid Thurman think... is able to do this kind of thing i mean like like for 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 um i mean for some people. They might look at this and say, oh, she's been in two terrible movies. I feel like the entire time she knows exactly what she's doing and is more on board than most people in this. Like you look at George Clooney and like you yeah. know, like Chris O'Donnell and they're just like, oh, f- like shag this lungs. movie. I yeah. hate this. But and whereas Uma Thurman is, 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 like knows what she's doing and she's like nailing yeah. it. Um, A
0: West drag queen. That's yeah. what I'm doing. That's the level we're going for here. I think I, I like. And I think that Joe singled out Schwarzenegger as being the best performer. I think Thurman probably, for me, is the one who seems to actually be on the film's wavelength. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just I, actually, what's in?
2: They're sorry. the only. Sorry. Yeah. They're the only two that seem to be enjoying themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I will say, actually, what's interesting about that thing that Joe mentioned in terms of career maiming is that it seems to largely be self-inflicted, which is kind of interesting, kind of weird about it. Is that it seems like. This movie had a profound psychological effect almost on everybody who worked on it, and that everybody made conscious choices coming out of it rather than, you know, being forced out. I think Chris O'Donnell actively took retirement to raise his kids after this, for example, and he still works semi regularly. I think he's a. a Series regular on NCIS, for example. You mentioned George Clooney saying George Clooney keeps a poster of this in his home office. Whenever he thinks about taking a role for money, he looks at that poster long and hard, and then makes the other decision. Apparently, there's rumors he's never confirmed, but if you tell him that you paid to see it in a cinema, George Clooney will give you your money back. Um, I paid. For, I
1: paid three ninety nine on on Google. <laughs> no, you, you had
0: no excuse. <laughs> you had no excuse. You knew how bad it was. Is the issue there? And oh, again, sorry, sorry.
1: He won't. He won't give me my money back. (laughs)
0: Clooney, Clooney won't like
1: he doesn't have money to give me like the price of a coffee
4: Oh, you, can,
0: I you can tweet him or something. <laughs> yeah, if you want. Um, and Schwarzenegger actually had a massive heart attack um, after this as well, which made him very hard to insure as an actor, I believe. Oh, God. So things like, say, End of Days and that sort of stuff were very hard to get through for him in terms of budget as well, in terms of insurance. And that's, I think, why he pivoted away from movies in the short term as well. But I think I think it is Alicia Silverstone is the one who suffered most, actually, of it. She's the one who just kind of vanished pretty much. I mean, she was in Blast in the Past, I think the following year, but that was already in the can by the time this was released. And then I think, you know, she disappeared and I last saw her in Killing of a Sacred Deer, but in a kind of a quirky supporting role where it's like, is that Alicia Silverstone?
2: In the She's in the, the Wimpy Kid movies.
0: Yeah. And I so, yeah,
1: I really, I really, really like Alicia Silverstone and there's something very kind of 90s um, about what Alicia Silverstone and Reese Witherspoon were doing and the kind of characters they were playing which is these these kind of like these characters who were um um ostensibly bimbos but were actually like really um uh, sharp sharp yeah and clever and 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 wise you know and um and the, 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 there is a kind of, like, a, a, a kind of an, an energy from Alicia Silverstone that I don't get as much from Reese Witherspoon, although, like, Reese Witherspoon is obviously great, but there is an energy that I get from kind of Alicia Silverstone that I really kind of enjoy. Um, now, she's not good in this. She no, like
0: No, she's not but, good. She's completely lost.
1: Yeah, but... Which is a shame, because... She,
0: Sorry? Uh, in
2: Clueless, sorry, in Clueless, she was sensational. So good, incredible. A star-making performance. I feel like she could have just done the same thing. Pretty much. Well, I
0: think that Witherspoon, Witherspoon was much better at managing her persona and her careers. Witherspoon shows a lot more carefully going out of the 90s. She did stuff like Election, for example, and even Cruel Intentions, which I think were a bit more ambitious than Silverstone's choices.
4: Well, no, but but, but but like...
0: And if perhaps it, she also it, it, looked at this and said no. Um,
1: like, you know. the likes of Election and, uh, like, Legally Blonde are kind of... they. It feels like... To me, anyway, they feel like roles that could have gone to 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 Silverstone, and that Silverstone sure. might have done a, a fairly good job in.
0: Like, I don't see Silverstone being adventurous enough to do election. But anyway, but sorry, this is probably a digression upon digression. Sorry.
1: Well, do, 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 you don't know Alicia like I do, Darren. <laughs> <laughs>
0: fair, fair point. Fair
2: point. Uh, you're clueless, Darren.
0: <laughs> I am absolutely clueless, unfortunately. Um, I have very cruel intentions towards both of them, it seems.
2: Oh, dear. One one
3: quick thing. I, I kind of liked the, um, the, the, the motivation of Poison Ivy as a character. You know, just sort of being like, climate change, you know, the humans have ruined, like, completely devastated the Earth. I'm going to wipe them all out and, like, create a new hybrid plants. And I just kind of thought that was like a good... Like, right from the very start, when when there's that great scene with that crazy doctor who turns her into a, um, you know, the plant lady. Jonathan Woodrow, played by John Culver. He's so funny. Like, even when he turns around and he shouts at the war criminals he's trying to sell the weapons to, and he's like, (laughs) fellow maniacs. (laughs)
0: And just, <laughs> assembled ethnic stereotypes. A very nineties movie. It's like something from the start of like a it was a police squad movie, you know, sort of thing, where you have like the the vaguely Middle Eastern, vaguely African, yeah. possibly Russian kind of characters, all dressed in their national attire. I
1: like I like like the true line between Batman Forever and um, well, I I guess through a lot of Batman movies, but tr- certainly true Batman Forever and Batman and Robin of Batman being wrong about things,
3: like mm.
1: he is the jerk, you know, it's not the, it, it's Yeah, not there's necessarily... even a scene in
3: this where she like comes up to him and to be clear, like he's, he's a billionaire who's just throwing money at stuff and she sort of comes up with like apocalyptic, like, you know, we need to take better care of plants and you'll all rue the day you turned your back on Mother Nature. What's and, his response? And, and... Gertie the little um, woman who is the gossip woman is like oh you, you must Played be by new Bob here Kane's wife. Bob Kane's wife she says in Gotham Batman and Robin protect us and I remember thinking you dullard climate change isn't going to be able to be stopped by Batman and did Robin did you not
0: see the climax of the movie did they not stop climate change do you, Alex do you
1: remember do you remember what do you remember what Bruce Wayne's response to that was though he's like people come first
4: yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we we, we need to.
1: They, people are more important than the environment they live in. Yeah, we need to open
0: <laughs> the beaches. And here, have a ticket to the gala, by the way, um, which is rather strange. I love that he's just carrying spare ones around It's desperately undersold at this point.
3: Also, now. quick mention for both Alfred Goff and Pat Hingle, who like played the same roles yes. in all four films. Like that scene with Pat Hingle at the end. It's just when when um, poison ivy is seducing him, and she like seduces the like bat the key for the the bat signal out of him. It's just fantastic, and it's such a change from like his opening where it's like I'm gonna have to call that dead policeman's wife and let him know the husband's not coming home to like his final scene where he's like I'm in love with poison ivy and (laughs) swooning over.
0: kind of love that the movie embraces Gordon as Hypeman as well, because its first scene is ringing up Batman in the Batmobile going, there's a new villain in Gotham Museum. He's turned yeah. security guards into blocks of ice. He's freezing everything in sight. He's yeah. calling himself Mr. Freeze.
1: Cool. It's very cool. much
0: kind of like, cool. this is how Gotham works now. It's like, my job is primarily to hype up they, the well, yeah Well, like, they
3: defunded like... the police, as they should. <laughs>
4: <yeah>. <laughs>
0: it's
1: like, um... Uh... It's like, hey, um, Commissioner Gordon, what's going on with those Neon Juggalos? Forget about that. <laughs> it's not important. <laughs> um, Mr. Freeze. Is Coolio still running? <laughs> like, forget about Coolio. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Um, what, I also like that like, throughout, because Schwarzenegger is Schwarzenegger, you constantly have to cross-cut Batman and Robin fighting his goons with Mr. Freeze knocking over poor random security guards who seem to just randomly bumble into his way, because you have to show Schwarzenegger being tough and macho and macho, which seems really... Not <laughs> really, really though.
1: There, there's, like, a problem with the violence in this movie, is that you don't believe that Schwarzenegger is, like, properly messing people up, because there's mm. this weird, like... like Petr- uh, Petrina walked in for the last, like, 20 minutes maybe of it and she was looking at some of the fight scenes and she was saying that like they it reminded her of the 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 physics of it, it was like you know the that rabbit in monty python that <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> like, kind of flies at people
3: yeah and he like oh, yeah, jumps like horizontally yeah
0: <laughs> that sort of propels himself again that kind of cartoon physics at play here um just very quickly on the poison ivy thing that alex mentioned um i do she's an environmental terrorist which again is one of those nice hollywood kind of like panics in the 90s and things like oh she's evil because she cares about the environment i do quite like that she's also kind of a stereotypical kind of hollywood version of a liberal where she's like where mr freeze is like oh my god batman killed my wife and she's like why should only batman and robin die while the society that created them goes unpunished because she's tough on crime fighters and tough on the causes of crime fighters so that <laughs> which i quite like as well um all right then is there anything else you want to discuss anything we haven't discussed already anything jumping out at people
3: one quick mention because the the soundtrack was already mentioned there's a really good like 10 minute song by underworld called moaner on the soundtrack <laughs> i just remember like listening to it years ago and i was like oh this is great and then seeing like Well, it was on the batman and robin soundtrack and this must have been the same year they did like the songs for train spotting it was 1997 <laughs> or so so and i just like the, the studio executive as well watching really yeah song well, it's song. the end of
0: the beginning which i think was repurposed for watchmen of all things as well and watchmen repurposed the nipples on the batsuit as well if i remember correctly um for exactly this film
3: has legacy and therefore <laughs> like should be should be enjoyed
0: yeah, it absolutely is. All right then. I think that about wraps it up. Unless there's anything else anybody wants to talk about, anything that we haven't discussed already, anything jumping out of people.
1: Uh, McGregor right. disease, I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, you and McGregor with disease. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, name or for the like,
0: producer, by the way.
1: It's it's, me um. There was a thing a few years ago where uh, Conor McGregor was was up um like people associated with um with uh with uh Dublin gangland criminals and people were asking kind of like is he our our batman turns out he wasn't but um (laughs) i i just thought it was interesting that uh, mcgregor was the name of the um it's it's um
4: yeah
0: i I don't think they had that in mind. No, I don't think that's what they're getting at, but fun nerdy fact for everybody in the audience, apparently later adaptations of the Batman mythos, which have gone darker and edgier, <laughs> have revealed that McGregor's disease is actually resulting from drug use. So read into that what you will about the uh, happy suburban existence of Mr. and Mrs. Freeze and also Alfred's story days before getting- Well, he was
1: that. only stage mm. one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, right, so then. a
1: little drug use late in life, yeah.
4: Um, <laughs>
0: When we wrap up, what we normally do is we ask our guests to recommend something for listeners, something you're enjoying at the moment, something that brings you joy. It could be something related to the movie discussed, it could be something completely unrelated, whatever you're enjoying at the moment that you think listeners might appreciate. So to give Joe and Alex a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first.
1: Okay. So um, I guess, like, I will recommend Clueless. I know I've recommended it before, but it's, it's terrific. It's a... Um, I always feel like giving American um sports analogies, but like saying it's a it's a home run or it's a grand slam. It's a triple crown. It's a I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll like, give it like a, a um uh something closer to home. It it's it's a terrific movie and um this is Alicia Silverstone Stone doing uh what uh what she does terrifically and and it, in, in spite of what Darren says, like, I think she could have given Reese Witherspoon a, a run for her money. Hey, but she, hey, hey, but she has two beautiful here, children
3: who hey. <laughs> were now grown up. Um, <laughs> okay, anyway. that,
0: that was not my point. But anyway, and Alex, what would you recommend for listeners?
3: I've kind of been getting through the whole, you know, Corona thing by I, I'd never actually seen Twin Peaks. So every morning I would get up and I would watch an episode of Twin Peaks and that like finished only recently and i absolutely loved it like was fully into it but just that idea of waking up watching a twin peaks it, it kind of suited you know uh, getting news headlights being like uh, news headlines on your phone and stuff about the like unfolding crisis across the world it, it kind of would set you up for those kind of days do, but do you
1: have a spare 18 hours
3: um, <laughs> exactly i would for, but for... also Maybe that's why I'm in such a like positive mood about Batman and Robin because like Twin Peaks is also like piled high with sort of like, I don't know, dark whimsy or something. <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's definitely like probably in that mood of like, oh, right, this is happening. I don't know why it's happening, but I'm also intrigued by it and I'm going to watch it. And I can, maybe that some of that is actually there in, in Batman and Robin. Do you mean too. like so, season yeah. two? exactly like if you can get through (laughs) season two particularly like the last like six episodes of that was a bit of a slog all right well not uh, the last
0: six like the you know seventh to like penultimate episode the last episode of season two is pretty good
3: yeah no i would agree with that but there was yeah quite a lot of and then obviously the return which i know you guys have done the the massive big podcast on a year or two ago and uh now i can listen to that and finally understand what you're talking about.
0: I think delirium kind of kicks in at a certain point on that. And Joe, what are you enjoying?
2: Uh, I'm really enjoying What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series. Um, It's an adaptation of the New Zealand uh, horror comedy spoof mockumentary about vampires living in modern day um, unglamorous uh, towns. Um, so the, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the series, uh, but the... Matt
0: Berry's in it, isn't he? Isn't
2: yeah, Matt Berry. Uh, and uh, one of the actors from uh, Four Lions uh, plays the lead vampire. And he's just this hilarious, magnificent, weird accent. He speaks like this about everyday, horrible, bureaucratic <laughs> nightmare of living in America. <laughs> and it's just such fun. I can't get enough of it. It's on season two. And it's... Um, the movie was directed by Taiko Waititi and the series, um, like the movie was co-created by Waititi and one of the members of Flight of the Concords And yeah, it's just a blast. Yeah. And it's also kind of on a bat theme as well, because some of the vampires in it turn into bats. <laughs>
0: yeah. Alright, and then very quickly some recommendations for me. Um, there was a tie-in movie released on animation around the same time as this, uh, Batman versus Mr. Freeze Sub Zero. Apparently, this movie was so bad that they actually delayed the release of the animated tie-in because they're worried the animated tie-in might be affected by the negative reaction this movie. Um, but the animated series is very worth seeking out. Batman Mask of the Phantasm is one of the best movies of the 90s, I would argue, and a fantastic piece of animation. Uh, very quickly, in terms of other recommendations, um, Batman comics because we're nerds and we're picking on nerds a bit so I figure some nerd credits are pretty good here I quite like Grant Morrison's run uh, Scott Snyder's run and Tom King's recent run on Batman as well I think they're very worth seeking out can right I then. can I would... plug
1: Succession as well <laughs> I've, 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 especially I've... if you get yeah. tired
3: of Batman and Robin swap <laughs> exactly. over to Succession yeah,
1: yeah. I missed <laughs> I missed yeah. the Ora Kelly song <laughs> at the end of Batman and Robin because I wanted to just watch <laughs> Succession again yeah. and just sort
0: of like clear your mind so to yeah speak. yeah, yeah. If, you, if
1: you're tired of watching all these billionaires on the
3: news then
1: <laughs> put Watch on succession on yeah
0: yeah yeah all right then if people are looking for more alex online where can they find you
3: um we're doing more podcast episodes much like yourselves like the uh, um remote so uh yeah we're actually planning to do one on Ronan, that famous irish film um on our podcast when irish eyes are watching so, that'll probably be up in a few weeks. And Wait,
0: Ronan as in the... Uh, Robert the Robert De Niro, De Niro, De Niro one, yes. Niro. Mostly Charlie we were no. looking
3: for an excuse to show Kleena Ronan, because she'd never seen it, and if you'll remember, the villains are actually actually Irish, and it's set during the Good Friday oh, it's Agreement. it's the 90s. Yeah. yeah, it's a 90s yeah. movie. Oh, um, so, there's oh, enough excellent. Irish characters in there to probably justify us watching it again.
2: Mm. And I and then, Natasha, Natasha, so... Yeah, one of the actresses, Natasha McAlone, is from Belfast, so... Yeah,
3: Jonathan Jonathan Price plays like her handler and it's kind of implied that maybe the IRA wanted him go- anyway. Listen to our podcast when we do it <laughs> when Irish eyes are watching and we will definitely make the argument that it can be covered by an Irish film podcast.
0: And Joe, what about yourself? Where can we find you online?
2: Um, you can find me usually on Twitter at the Joe Griffin as in T H E and Joe Griffin. Um, that's where you find me talking nonsense. Uh, not just nonsense about film, but whatever else occurs to me. I want
1: to. Yeah, perfect. I want to say to our listeners who um, who follow us on our Facebook page that we've made a decision to take that down because of <laughs> uh, Facebook's uh, position on hate speech. Uh, we're 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 boycotting Facebook. To be clear, yeah.
3: Facebook aren't taking you down because of hate speech on the page.
0: It's, it's just... <laughs> it's a, no, it's a mutual shutting us down. <laughs> they're
1: they're they're too they're too tolerant of our hate speech. So we're, we're <laughs> so we object to it. so we object um, to them. Yeah. So yeah, you,
0: do, you can't find us on finding... Facebook
1: anymore. This um, finally
0: allows Andrew to cross off, set up the 250 uh, Facebook page <laughs> off the list to-do list that we set four years ago. Um, I, had sense. I had a send. I had a Yeah. <laughs> so follow us at the 250 online. We're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. But not, not us, on Facebook. Uh, apparently not either. Um, we'll be back next week. Where we'll be resuming our Summer of Scorsese. Jay Coyle will be rejoining us as co-host. And the wonderful Aoife Martin will be joining us to discuss Casino. So join Excellent. us then. Bye
1: bye guys thank you so much thank Thank you you so so much much. yeah that was so much fun thank you